Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, August the 5th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and in the house with Steve Say, Harumph. Mr. Bob Ryer. Hello. And on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hi, hi, hi. All right, we are here um, one week before Will He or Won't He, Bob <laughs> Ryer, and Fantastic Four. Um, that'll be our subject next week on the show. But this week, um, not a whole lot of news broke again. Two weeks in a row, we haven't had a lot of news uh, flying out there. Uh, however, we do have a little bit of a Batman Superman rumors that, that came out. We'll definitely talk about that and kind of ties into my book of the week, as, as, it, as it turns out. Um, but we have, you know, obviously have uh, Lobster Johnson to talk about for our shared book of the week. Uh, later on in 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 the show, um, and lots of cool stuff to talk about. We got lots of fun books. Steve and I have been catching up. Yeah, so Stephanie as well, catching up a lot of stuff that we've uh, mm-hmm. been sitting in our backlogs. And um, it turns out when you buy less books in a week, you have time to go back and read the stuff you haven't read yet. It's Amen. Crazy, right? <laughs> like, it is crazy. Who knew? It is crazy. In a world. Yeah. I uh, oh, I forgot to write it down here. I'm gonna talk about it in my lightning round, so I'm not gonna bring it up right now. Uh, Hmm, I read uh, Alex Nada, Volume 2. Oh, I know. I saw on the email. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm well, I know. I'm talking for the people. I'm, I'm uh, pretending like you don't know to, to let you know. Oh, wow. You read it? Yeah, I read yeah. it. Oh, read wow, it. man. I'll, I'll talk about it later, though. Oh, I'll I can't tell, wait. I don't want to tell you what I think I'm about so it. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> I, too, have feelings <laughs> on that book. Do you? Oh. I, I do, but from a while ago. Okay, so Excellent. we'll bring that. We'll bring up when we when we get when we get to that a little bit later. I'll also have some feelings. I might add this thing called Bobby Dub Smash to my <laughs> lightning round, but that depends on if I get to it before. Is that why you muted your microphone before? Because you were listening to them? No, I muted oh. my microphone because I'm right beside my refrigerator. And oh, it's like, I got it you. Now. Sounds like. I don't know what it sounds like. It sounds like a refrigerator that's on and very loud and that I'm right beside it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. You I didn't know. see that coming at all. No, I did no. not. No? Did not one bit. Uh, Stephanie has a lot of image stuff to talk about in her uh, her book section. You shotgun some image books. I did. Yeah. I was like, you know what I'm going to read? Things from image. Yep. Trades. Ima- yeah, you know what? Fact. Like, the, There was a lot of things that people have been talking about really positively for a while now. And um, I was like, I, I got to get around to this. Like I, <laughs> I need to read this, you know, I'm not picking up a lot of stuff this week or anything really. And uh, if I'm, if I'm going to go through like the backlog stuff, I want to go through stuff that I'm excited about. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to start with that. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, Steve finally caught up on sex criminals. We'll talk about that as well. Oh a yeah. Bit later. A lot of image stuff to talk about. 
a lot of image stuff to talk about. Uh, little little uh, DC news that, that came out, and, and Stephanie reminded me of this. We talked talk a little on Comics and Coffee this past week with Mara, but uh, Jenna Malone, who was already confirmed to be in Batman Superman, the rumor was possibly as Carrie Kelly. That was the initial uh, rumor. It now seems... If, you, if the internet is to be believed, it's like every single movie yeah. blog in the world is reporting this, plus comic book blog, mm-hmm. um, that Jenna Malone will pro- most likely be playing uh, Barbara Gordon in, in Batman v Superman. And um, uh, Well, the it, Latino review is pretty they, – they usually have a good source. Yeah. yeah, they do a very good source. They're, so, yes, when they break something, that usually like, gets picked up by everybody because um, it's usually almost official unless something changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, but I, I doubt that. If Jen Malone has been cast this part, that's going to change in, in, in the term. We don't know if yet if it's going to be in, a, in, a, in the Batgirl role or in the Oracle role or just as Barbara, Barbara Gordon, Gordon, maybe sure. before. Uh, but what we know about the movie, right, is that Batman has been Batman for 20 years at this point. So it wouldn't make a ton of sense. It's already gone through, he seems he's already gone through at least one Robin, if not two. Um, we don't know the status of uh, Dick Grayson at he's this just point. Just killing Robin. Just killing Robin. We know Jason Todd is, is most likely has been in the world He's and has already got dead. something against birds that migrate. It's yes. true. <laughs> Did you see the crazy fan theory of somebody thinks that the Joker yes. in the film might be Jason and Todd? If, I, I can't believe that would be true. <laughs> no way. It takes away all like the, who, who killed Jason Todd then? I know it's, it's <laughs> it killed it's, himself. Killed himself. It's way too bar. much to explain in some kind of like reveal montage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Plus, audience members that don't know the lore would be like, "What the?" Hell? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I have a feeling though we're gonna have Dick Grayson already around, maybe off in Bloodhaven, being a Nightwing. Uh, okay. Whether we see him or not, that's in there. But I think that's gonna be kind of hinted at. Jason Todd will have come and gone. Um, so the fact that there be Barbara Gordon mm-hmm. there, possibly as Batgirl or as um, Oracle, it, it, I think, is a very plausible situation. Um, it, it, Stephanie, first of all, what do you think about them using Barbara in the movie? And I don't know what your thoughts on Jenna Malone are, so what do you think about her if she's playing Barbara? I love Jenna Malone. Okay. Like, I think she's amazing. I just watched, I made uh, my Sweet Patootie watch Saved the other day. Mm. I told him we were watching Captain America, and then I was like, you know what I'm excited for? Saved. And <laughs> he was like, this doesn't look like Captain America. I'm like, shh, just watch. Um, I think she's amazing. I loved her in Catching Fire. Mm. Uh, I thought she was one of the best parts of it, especially like I I know she uh, ad libbed like that line where she just told the Capitol to go like f themselves. <laughs> and I I think she's fantastic. Mm. Um, I think she makes would make a really good background. I like that she isn't your conventional kind of beautiful actress. Um, I like that she is. Like, I don't want to say she's rough around the edges, but, like, she's not a conventional gorgeous, right? Like, mm-hmm. she's this kind of brainy-looking girl, but also, um, I don't know, badass, too. Like, she has a fierceness to her, like, a, a really interesting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's a great choice for Batgirl. She wouldn't have probably been the first choice, but... Um, I, I think she would make a great I, – I don't know about Barbara. I would have pegged her more for Carrie Kelly. Mm. Um, but either way, like, I'm pretty thrilled that they're thinking of including Oracle and or Batgirl in this. Although, like, I, I don't know if they're just like, everyone hates us because we don't put women in the movie. And when we do, they're dumb. <laughs> um, let's just put all these women in and maybe women will be like, wow, our movies are good. <laughs> 
Um, I hope that's not the case. And I hope that because we have like Batgirl and Wonder Woman, that the two of them being in the movie doesn't kind of dilute um, the uh, building of their characters since mm-hmm. they're on screen. Well, I'm not including Alicia Silverstone. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, man. She's not really Batgirl. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but this, for me, is one of the first times they're going to be in a movie that's mostly being taken seriously. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, this is the first time we're going to see Barbara Gordon in anything. Yeah. If, if she, so, really? you know, like I, I want... Meyer, Birds of Prey. I want to oh, believe yeah, that that'll be good. I'm talking about a movie. Okay. I'm talking about a movie, not a TV show. <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to believe that these characters are going to be represented in a... Mm-hmm a way that's going to make me and other people happy, you know, at least like fans. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What I would hope to see is flashbacks to Batgirl. That's what they were saying. And now she's Oracle. Mm. 20 years out, whatever. I think that'd be really neat. Yeah. I I think that's, I think that's probably plausible, right? Especially in the kind of world that they've set up. Nothing seems particularly happy. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, so I would. This I, shocks me about Zack Snyder movies. Yeah, so <laughs> I would think that they would, he would be more enamored with the Oracle persona than the than the Batgirl persona. Uh, but what, what I mean, we'll have to see how, what what all, what all that comes from. Um, Steve, what do you think of Jenna Malone? Uh, I like her quite a bit, actually. I think I've seen her in a number of movies. I've seen her in Donnie Darko. Uh, Sucker Punch is the main movie that I think of when I think of Jenna Malone. Uh, I thought the Rocket character was a lot of fun. I thought she brought a lot to that character. I like that movie a lot. I know that some people don't like mm-hmm. it, but I thought that there's a lot of uh, a lot of good messaging going on. If you a lot of layers, where to look and pick it apart a certain way. I'm sure that there's the opposite end of the spectrum, but I tend well, to lean the, towards there, the positive. Look, there is a lot of I'll just say it this way imagery yeah. that one could quibble with, but it is also. Uh, Early on in the Zack Snyder oeuvre, shall we put it that way, we didn't know what was going to happen later on. So it was just a one-off thing. He had done what at that point? Dawn of the Dead in 300 when he made Sucker Punch? Uh, he did a few more things than that, yeah? I believe. I can look him up. Yeah. He had done Watchmen. Was oh, that before right. Sucker Punch? Yes. Okay. Sucker Punch, was, Sucker Punch was the last thing he did before um, uh, Men of Steel. Was, okay. Yeah. She's been in a bunch of stuff. I'm looking at her IMDb page right now. What's really interesting is the the split about Sucker Punch is visuals, everyone thinks just, you know, an amazing idea and did it come off, didn't it? And then it's, is this imagery being used to empower women or objectify them? And it's probably a little of both, mm-hmm. which uh, is going to make some people happy, some people mad, and leave nobody in the middle. Um I am in the middle, oddly. Yeah. Do like it. I see the huge <laughs> problems with it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, guilty pleasure, I'd suppose, for me. I watched, I mean, not to talk about Sucker Punch for too long, uh-huh. but I mean, I, I watched a like an internet video. It was a two-parter that somebody broke down their theory behind uh, Sucker Punch. And it was just, it was a really, really insightful, playful theory and if you listen to the guy and you go through it all the way to the end, it was like a 40-minute thing that he was just picking apart certain parts of the movie that if you're watching it with what he said in mind, that at a certain point uh, towards the beginning of the film, if you separate the start of the film with the rest of it, 
and accept like these these dance sequences as, as these sort of dreamscape uh, scenarios and stuff like that. It was really fascinating and really interesting. And it just even if the movie isn't wholly good, it that conversation is enough to make me look at it and and find it to be something really interesting, something mm-hmm. that could be interpreted in a multitude of ways. Um, stuff like that to me is always more interesting than something that's just plain and simple, straightforward. Um, to wrap up though, as far as Jenna Malone, I think it's cool that, uh, Barbara Gordon's going to be, uh, appearing in the movie according to, uh, the rumor. I mean, it'll probably be confirmed any day I would imagine, Mm. but, um, yeah, I mean more, you know, more female characters in the film, the better. I just hope that, uh, the balance is, you know, that they, they don't shortchange anyone, um, because I would imagine so much of the focus is going to be on the Batman Superman stuff that if they're planning long term that they're going to keep these they're going to sign these people on and keep them and kind of build their, you know, mythos as we go mm-hmm. along. Yeah, so by the time we get to Justice League, we yeah. might have a whole universe to play with. I just hope that there's enough there to uh satisfy fans that are looking forward to seeing that character up on the big screen again or since since Alicia Silverstone, which we don't talk about. Yeah. Bruce, it's me. <laughs> uh, Uncle. Um, I, yeah, I mean, the, the, my biggest, I'm psyched that she's in the movie. I have, obviously it's going to depend on her role. I think if she's playing Batgirl, then I think that the chances of her being much more than a cameo are very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she's playing Oracle, I think that her presence in the movie can be felt much more, right? Because there's a lot Oracle mm-hmm. can do, which is not punching and fighting, which, which there's going to be plenty of already in the movie. And she'll I kind of fill that void. Uh, like She'll be like DC's equivalent to Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's a good comparison. As uh, Oh my God, why can I not? Jarvis? Her? Thank you. Yes. I kept saying Vision. I'm like, no, but he wasn't always Vision. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That is a good point. I um, see that Batman deferring to her in his mission to find Superman, maybe. Yeah, that'd be a great moment. Mm-hmm. I, gonna, there was ahead. some other news that got announced a couple hours ago, by the way. And this is relevant to especially Bobby's interests. What? Vandal Savage has been cast. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Hmm. For what? For, For Legends, of, Legends Tomorrow. of Tomorrow. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, it's Danish actor Casper Crump. He will make his debut as the iconic comic book villain in the crossover episodes of Arrow and the Flash before continuing the recurring role in the spinoff at mid-season. And mm. did you guys announce? I don't. I don't remember if we mentioned who was playing Hawkman. No, that happened in between, actually. So, um, Falk Henschel. <laughs> yep, I'm that's not. His name. I'm not even lying. It's F A L K. So it's Falk. Mm-hmm. Or folk, but I think it's folk. Be careful. <laughs> it's like Swedish, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Falcon Show, um, is going to be playing Hawkman. That's awesome, though. I don't. I don't know him personally. I, yeah, I have very, very little experience. <laughs> um, or yeah. He looks like Hawkman, though. Yeah, he is a dreamboat. <laughs> that cast is getting awfully crowded. He was in what was he in? Oh, Street Dance 2. Wow. I gave oh, up man. after the first one. Oh, good. That's yeah, no. Be. I was all downhill after the first Street Dance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, he was in He was in an episode of Agents of Shield as well. Oh, look at that. Do you remember the uh breakdancing movie Breakin'? Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yep. 
course. Yep. Oh, I've got to. No, I'm not going there. <laughs> House parties <laughs> and break dancing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the movie is going to end up being a little bit over. The movie seems like it's going to be overstuffed, right? We have a lot of characters. It all depends on. This what, shocks me about Zack Snyder movies. <laughs> what all their roles are going to be, right? I'm, I mean, obviously, it's all going to rotate around whatever's happening with Clark and Bruce um, and whatever they're kind of. Their feud is, and whatever Luther is doing. I think that's kind of your three main players you're going to be dealing with in the in the movie, uh, and what Diana has to do with it, what Aquaman has to do with it, what possibly the Flash has to do, whoever or, or all these players. If they're just going to be kind of items on the news, if they're going to be you know mm. quick cameos here or there, uh, I, I'm not sure. I think potential though for someone like Barbara Gordon is that you have obviously a more um, uh, a, a more of a support character that belongs in Batman's universe. So I, I can see better how that fits into, you know, what, what what's going on mm-hmm. with, 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 with those characters. So, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, I, it's exciting enough to me just to fit that, that if Barbara would be a character in, in the movie. Absolutely. Um, and whether, even if it's a setup for whenever we get the Batman or whenever we, Justice League or whatever the next thing is going to be, um, I'm fine with that. You know, they're obviously, they're doing... They're doing their thing. They're building their universe, and I think now in in kind of the past couple weeks they've talked about how like they kind of conceptualize Justice League, and then even though these movies aren't coming out like in that order, you know the same order, everything is kind of built around what they conceptualized for Justice League. So uh, this seems like they had a, at least had a plan for this before they sat down to write mm-hmm. the script. They're not just throwing characters in kind of willy nilly. Aquaman is supposed to be in Batman Superman. He's de- right? he's, de- he's confirmed to be in it. Yeah. Mamako yeah, Man. Mamako Man. <laughs> yeah. They haven't shown anything from him. Maybe in a, an extended trailer we'll get that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much you're going to see of him. That's the thing. It, it might be He's m- just going to be watching much from more Gotham than a- Harbor. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, humans. <laughs> have they still going to retcon him into Man of Steel? Oh, I heard about that. Right, right, yeah. In his <laughs> movie, they might deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, where he saves Clark at the burning oil rig. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I can understand why he'd be, that the, the, the o- will be a little upset, too. So yeah, like, they go. We can blow up this 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 world destroying bomb in the ocean. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, <laughs> kills everybody in the ocean. Um, so maybe well, he'll turn into the submariner. He'll be really mad at the surface world. Maybe. That interesting. Or I mean, a lot of right, a lot of like the the John's Aquaman stuff is about him trying to quell tensions between the two. He's not the one who's angry, but everyone who actually lives there is very angry, and so about the way the surface world acts. So we'll see how that that all goes down. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, who knows? But it's an exciting little piece of. A little, little news item that's that's going on out there. All right, let's uh let's talk about some lightning round. Steve, why don't you uh let you kick us off for the lightning round here? Sure. Um, I'm going to uh, get your three minutes up on the clock. Here we go. Ready? And go. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so I finally got to check out Thor's number one. I won't talk about it for too long. Jason Aaron and Chris Sprouse on pencils with Carl Story on ink. And damn, I really wish that I had bought Thor's number two the other day because <laughs> Thor's number one was fantastic. And it was just like you said, it was like a Thor Marvel CSI mm-hmm. episode uh, with like, you know, salty cop and, uh, you know, shifty cop. And it was just great. It was really, really great. Salty cop. Yeah, I got to I got to grab the next one. Um, Copperhead, number nine. Uh, just putting the word out there. Again, series is awesome. It's a really, really great character book. Um, I find everybody in it really interesting. 
and every issue uh, builds the tensions more and more. Next issue is the last one in this arc, and then it will continue on from there. But mm-hmm. if you're looking to collect it uh, after the next issue, there should be a trade shortly thereafter, and that's uh, Jay Faber and uh, Scott Godlewski and Ron Riley on colors. The other book that I wanted to bring up uh, and use the rest of my round for is a book from Eric Stevenson, uh, Simon Gain, Jordi Belair, and Phonographics called They Are Not Like Us, Volume 1. Uh, and Volume 1 is called Black Holes for the Young. So here's a deal. This book is weird. The book is really <laughs> weird. It's about a... It basically, it starts off with a woman who is telepathic. She can hear everyone and everything, and it's all in her head, and she's lived her whole life that way. And it's just so much noise that she can't take it anymore and decides to go to a top of a building and she's going to jump off. Hmm. Right before she jumps off, a dude shows up at the top and is like, do you really want to do that? Like, I can, you know, I can show you a better way. And she's like, nah, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And she leaps. She survives. And comes to find this guy that calls himself The Voice. He is also a telepathic, maybe more. And what he is, is he's kind of a Professor Xavier for assholes, where <laughs> you you meet a cast of characters of other people with abilities. You have an empath. You have uh, a technopath, people that can talk to machines and stuff. Um, a person that like, like, can see his premonitions of the future, a futurist or whatever. And um, they're all under this attitude that because they are and can do what they do like they've already decided that they're not going to put themselves out to the public because the public they already do you know these things to illegal aliens they already do these things to other people what are they going to do with us so we're going to keep this to ourselves which was fine until you find out that they're kind of like going out into the world and manipulating the world to suit their needs to have everything that they have and they're like beating the crap out of people in the streets they're taking people's money they're erasing their memories and making them see other things and as interesting as the book is that you're kind of going through this journey and meeting these people with this girl um i found it really really hard to stay in it because i didn't really care for anybody wow so still going huh and wait you're still talking (laughs) (laughs) it's like the music of the oscars you gotta play you out yeah like i finished it i enjoyed it to a point but I, i really struggled with how do you keep going with a book where you really don't connect or really even like any of the characters in it? Um, you have the, a lot of issues in it already. How many are in the trade? There's, uh, I think there's six in here. Okay. I mean, there's a mystery in it that kept me going, kept me reading to the end. But um, I don't know. I, I really I, I put it down and couldn't decide whether I, I came down on the side of the positive or negative. It was weird. I don't run into too many of those when I purchase something. And it was one of those times where I sat down. I was like, "Huh." I'm like, "Yeah, I really, I don't know." I, I heard a lot of people enjoyed the hell out of it, so I picked it up. Mm-hmm. It's one of those nine ninety nine trades. I mean, certainly if you're curious about it, if the premise that I, I talked about intrigues you, by all means. I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I found it really hard to connect with it. Uh, and you said you didn't read No Nowhere Men, right? I believe I have it, but I've not read it. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's a little. It sounds like it has a little bit more of a focus on plot that, than uh, they're not like us. Mm-hmm. But it's similar. It's very heady. It's very wordy. It's very yeah. weird. It's, oh, it's, it's very complicated. They're not like us is super dialogue heavy. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say that nothing happens because that's ridiculous. But you just you're always you're always reading conversations. Mm-hmm. You're always learning about like their kind of. Um, 
like their mission, their, their, how they feel about other people. It was just one of those things where like, I understand what you're saying, but then in order to live this way, you're going out and you're doing things to people like you're bullies, Mm -hmm. like you're mutant, you know, quote unquote bullies. They're just super powered bullies. Right. And that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like searching for somebody to be like, oh, well maybe they'll turn everybody around or they'll do this and they'll do that. And that did like, that really didn't happen. So I kind of went the whole book just like feeling a little icky, mm-hmm. like hanging out with a, going out and hanging out with a group of people where you don't know anybody and you really don't connect with anybody, but you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh. So. And, you know, who's your entry to the book? If you don't like anyone, usually there's somebody yeah. you can say, okay, here's the person <laughs> whose storyline I want to follow. They may get murdered anyway, but at <laughs> yeah. least I then feel for that. I mean. The, the young girl. Uh, turns into a not nice person too. Look, I mean, certainly the price is right for nine ninety nine, six go. issues, and a bunch of stuff. I'm more than happy to have taken the ride. Just you don't get off of everything wanting to ride it again, right? Uh, I, I mean, there's something to be said. Yeah, I, I like think that. for yeah, s- <laughs> stories that deal with unlikable characters, right? Mm. I, I think that it's always an interesting change in storytelling to to deal with characters who you don't really have a huge affection for. And so it becomes a different sort of relationship to those characters. They're much harder stories to tell and much harder stories to, to get into for, I mean, for everybody, I think for most people, you, you, it's, it's tough thing to, to be in a world where you don't like the people that you're around. Like it's kind of, it's against human nature to want to be around people Mm -hmm. that you find disgusting, you know, but I always find something like, I mean, and it's not completely analogous because there are characters in this show that, you like, but something like Mad Men, which is built on people who are mostly despicable. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, Peggy is great. Peggy's a good person. She has flaws, but she's a good person. Everybody else is kind of shitty. Um, And your main character is one of the shittiest, you know? Uh, But there's something entrancing about being in that world and and watching it. But I think, for me, for that show, it was tough for me to start watching it. Mm. I I tried to start watching it three or four separate times because I couldn't... I was looking for that person to root for and they're just not there. Uh, and uh, I think that when it's done really well, it can be very interesting, but it's even sometimes it's a very tough thing to yeah. pierce. I've been trying to think of something that's, that mm-hmm. for me, I guess it's Wuthering Heights, mm. where the five lead characters, I mean, it's this wonderful, tragic romance, except all the people are rotten. Right. They're just, they all have agendas, they all have... We're trying to get over. Something's going on with everybody in four different combinations. And at the end, you're still mesmerized by mm. all of it as it comes together. So it, it can be done. So yeah. maybe it's just yeah. volume two of. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I asked myself when I put it down, I said, I was like, would I pick up a volume two? And I, I, I might. It's, oh, that's a good sign. Actually. Yeah, no, yeah. it's what, well, like I said, I, I really struggled with it where when I was done. There was, I was looking for that one thing. Like, I was like, where is the thing that's keeping me reading this? And it's really the fascination of, or, or the, the anticipation of finding that thing that kept me going where I'm like, okay, I know I don't like any of these people, but I'm still reading this book and I don't have to. I have a whole other pile of stuff out there, but I'm, I'm sticking with this, but I still can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, who knows? I don't know. An exercise in learning, you know, learning about characters and stories of what, like what you like and don't like 
And uh, I come I come to the show with so many positive things every <laughs> week that every now and again I'm going to hit something where I just kind of feel weird about it. Yeah, well, it wasn't negative, negative. No, no. Was, yeah. Uh, and I'll talk about. I mean, you talked about Thor's number one, so I, I was going. I'll talk about two really quickly. Just yeah. uh, it continues. Just really, it continues what number one does. It doubles down even more on the super noiry, super awesome. like stylized dialogue of, of the first. Uh, issue and continues the mystery uh, on forward we get the first look at our possible villain for the for for the story we didn't get that last issue no okay no um and um or as they call it their first suspect uh (laughs) that, that shows up and we also have a meeting between ultimate thor and thor the unworthy who is 616 Jarborn Thor. So. I love Frog Thor. Frog Thor is great, <laughs> uh, but it's a great book, and, and Chris Sprouse art is 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 beautiful. Um, it's definitely a recommendation if you're you're a fan of the Thor. It was so good. Yeah, I have to find issue number two tomorrow. All right, Stephanie, All right. are you ready? Oh, ready. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and you have three minutes and go. All right, so. I read a bunch of image stuff this week, and uh, as as I mentioned, and there were, there was three trades I went through. Uh, one of which I will be talking about for my book of the week, uh, and the other two. Uh, the first one is Witches, Volume One by Scott Snyder and uh, art by Jock. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love this. I really expected to think go into this and be like wowed, um, and I just was kind of met about it, which is shocking to me because I am a big fan of. Both of these dudes, obviously, like they're superstars. Um, And I don't know, the story was creepy, but I just didn't really care about the characters. Um, By the end of it, I was, you know, enjoying it and kind of floored by um, how the first volume all wrapped up. But I didn't feel compelled to stick with it. So once uh, the second volume, the other issues start coming out for that, I don't think I'm going to keep up with it. But I did think that the first issue or the first volume, sorry, was interesting, albeit um, not something that I think uh, I would seek out without the names attached to it. Um, The second thing I want to mention is Southern Bastards, volume one, which is, like, it's been something that everyone has said I should read and check out. And uh, I, I really thought that the story and the art were phenomenal. Uh, both of which were just really interesting. Um, and I, I liked that sort of, you know, uh, justified kind of feel to it. Um, you know, with with hmm. the dude being kind of Timothy Oliphanty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to show, I got to show these rednecks, you know, <laughs> some manners. <Balls. laughs> um, I, I liked it. I thought that the, end of the first volume was kind of heartbreaking mm. uh but i don't know again i didn't feel compelled to stick with it after i had wrapped it up um i enjoyed it and a friend of mine told me that the second volume focuses on coach um but i don't know like that just doesn't interest me like i i, I don't like want to know about him he's a dick <laughs> <laughs> And I don't care to know his backstory. Um, again, the writing was great. The art was great. But uh, the story just wasn't something that really captured me. But I, I do, I did want to check it out and kind of, you know, 
hear, read what all the fuss was about. And it's great, but just not for me. So those are the two things that I read um, that really kind of stuck with me. And then the third thing you'll find out about shortly. That was really good. Four seconds, Stephanie. Thanks. That was one one of your best timed out lightning rounds. Um, all right. I mean, I haven't, I'm so far behind on Southern Bastards. Uh, I need to buy this. I think the second trade is already out. Yeah, it's been out. Yeah, so I gotta get, pick that up. I have the first. I am one issue behind yeah. in Southern Bastards. Uh, and I have the Witches trade, but I haven't read it yet. I read the first three issues single, and then That's I decided, so, I, did, decided yeah. I had to wait for the trade. And I have it. I just haven't yeah, got to stick into it yet. Like, it's, it's spooky. I mean, and it's not bad, just not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Steph, you've been keeping up with Harrow County? No, I'm behind on that, but um, that's on that's on my list to get through. Uh, that book shortly. is amazing. Yeah, I positively love it. Positively, See, first issue Absolutely. is great. I've been waiting for the trade myself. Mm-hmm. So. I'll tell you, it has only gotten better. Wow! And it is one of the few books that the moment I open it up, I am right back in it and right back in that that atmosphere and just this. This like creeping terror that that book has. There's something about it that I just I love it. Well, that cliffhanger at the end of the first one where she went into that thicket. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was creepy, creepy stuff. They're really um, they're really concentrating on the main character and exploring uh, the possibilities of what she could be. It's not as cut and dry as the first issue led you to believe. Oh, there's I like a, that. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than that, and uh, it's you're almost watching this kind of evolution of a uh not necessarily a villain or a sorceress but just somebody who might be able to command more uh within that world that she's been taught to fear that maybe she has a little bit more to do with it than she's been told actually no that was in the original solicitation mm. yeah as, as recall something about the, the creatures around her and her connection to them yeah. so it's, it's nice how they're going to play into that now. it's crazy like i feel like i'm reading an origin story for a really really powerful villain but i kn- i don't think that's where it's headed but they her character specifically they're building it like that and it's just really really just it's good it's really good nice cool awesome all right bob Okay, okay. You ready? You've got three minutes and go. Where I'm going to start is Red Sonia number 17. It's Gail Simone and Walter Giovanni. First off, there's bad news in the coming next issue box, as the next issue, which is number 18, will be Gail Simone's last. No! On, yes, on Red Sonia. <laughs> uh, look, I don't envy whoever's going to have to follow her because her recrafting of, of the, the she devil with the sword here has been pretty amazing. This is a character I didn't read. Yeah, read some of the paperbacks years ago, I mean, yeah, the Robert E. Howard stuff. But so much fun. There's consequence, there's heart, there's humor. She's bawdy, to say the least, but it's just, just been absolutely wonderful. And she, Gail has said someone really good is going to follow. But she's being she's been very coy from what I've read. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And this issue... Uh, Sonya takes up the case of the Daughters of Ehrlich. They're an order of nuns whose task is protecting a great library from the dour empress Laranta. And she thinks that women shouldn't read books. It just soils them entirely. (laughs) Now, it is just a wonderful allegory to the changing face of comic fandom. I read that Gail really loved, you know, doing this book in that way. And at a certain, there's, 
There's some reversals of ideas as we go on here that I'll just leave for that. But if you've been following these, I think we're into three trades at this point. Uh, you should be picking up Red Sonia. Do I have any time left? I <laughs> vamped a lot there, I think. You have a minute and a half left. Okay, so I'm right down the middle. Um, I just caught up with, because these aren't the easiest things to find, Sunstone Volume 2 by Stepan Shayish. Nice. Yeah, see, I get that right. Um, this series just continues to be a delightful surprise, particularly considering the subject matter. I don't read much, and this is, I guess you'd call this erotica, mm. I, but it isn't that. That isn't the focus of this. It's just beautifully drawn, but it's the characterizations of Ali and Lisa that are just beautifully, beautifully done. They are romantic, sensual, tender, funny. Uh, it's real in all this sort of stuff here, and what happens here, you begin to... The first volume began with the story being told from Lisa's point of view. We now... You find it a little later here. It's from five years out. They're still together five years later, and it's written from that perspective as she puts a book together. Uh, we get some of their backstory. There's uh, Allie has a secret that almost took her out of all this sort of stuff. Thanks to the people on our forum who mentioned Mrs. Shage's mm-hmm. art, which I just I, I bought Death Vigil, mm-hmm. which I really really enjoyed, and I think they're just mm-hmm. about to collect that. And I've started picking this up, and I'm really loving this. The art is absolutely stunning. Mm. The facial expressions here are some of the most interesting and human I've seen ever. Despite all the other stuff going on, look at that. I went over with only two books. (laughs) Um, Sunstone Volume 2, the third volume, comes out next month. Oh, nice. Okay. Excellent. Fantastic. I want to read that. This this is going to be one of the first times Bob has ever been in the middle of talking and the the timer's gone. Yeah. Everything's changing. Everything's changing. What's going on here? I, I had to ad lib. <laughs> There's much ad libbing tonight. <laughs> He's getting it all in now because he won't be here next week. <laughs> that could be the case. <laughs> dun, we dun, don't dun. know yet. We do not know yet. All right. My turn. All right, here we go. Um, I'll start with uh, Alex and Ada, Volume 2, which I picked up uh, finally and read. I believe Volume 3 is out in two weeks or something like that, or a week or something like that. It's out very, very soon. So I'm looking forward to, to finishing that off. Uh, I liked the second volume much more than I liked the first uh, I felt like the first volume was a, was a lot of setup, and this one delivered on a lot of the ideas that have been they've been setting up in in, in the first five issues. Uh, really dug it. Really excited to see um, how it how it all turned out when when I when I actually get to to reading it. Uh, Sarah Vaughn and uh, Jonathan Luna, right? Yep. Okay. Um, uh, Loki, Agent of Asgard. I said last week I will not read a thing until I've caught up with all of like the fourteen back issues. I'm missing one issue. Of Loki, Agent of Asgard. And I am also missing one issue. Shit. Which one? The first to last day's issue, or the second last day's yes. issue. So I'm missing it. So I couldn't read the last three, uh. but I read everything else up until the last day's issue. And um, there's there's an issue, there's a couple issues in the middle where it gets, I think, tied down by one of the events, I think, that I, 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 didn't, I didn't love it. But I felt like Al Ewing did a great job of taking this character and running with this premise that Kieran Gillen set up of the Kid Loki Kind of growing up into this this young adult, I guess, or teenage, you know, twenty something Loki, and I was worried I wasn't gonna be interested in that because I loved Kid Loki so much, and Ellie did a great job of making him an interesting character and still keeping the really complicated identity stuff that Gillen had set up in in his run. Um, Daredevil, we're getting really close to the end now. So good, things are very bad for Matt. I, I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, he is. 
um, in a fight with the Kingpin, and the Kingpin completely has the upper hand at, at this point. I don't know where he goes from here. I don't know how it all resolves. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how Mark Wade and Chris Samney and their epic run uh, on the character. And uh, I didn't get a chance to read the whole first volume, but I read uh, half of Casanova Volume 1, Luxuria, uh, Matt Fraction, uh, Fabio Moon, and Gabriel Ba. And uh, this is kind of what put Fraction on the map originally, and you can certainly see... First of all, it's crazy. It's insane. And you can definitely obviously see that in, in, in his other work. There's sometimes in the first couple issues where... It's not as smooth as the stuff he's doing now. Obviously, he has a lot more years under his belt at this point being a writer. Um, and, but the overall premise is so original and so interesting. There's, multiverse, there's multi, multiverses. There's time travel. There's uh, sexuality. There is incredible, crazy violence. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I'm really looking forward to finishing off. Uh, th- this first volume, this beautiful hardcover that Image just put out, I think this year, um, there's three volumes of that, and I'm looking forward to reading all of them. The art from Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon is great, uh, not as obviously whimsical and sleek as you know, and, and as emotional as Day Tripper, but you know, if you, uh, I think it was BPRD Vampire they did. I think that's yeah. the one they did, right? It's much more in line with that sort of thing. Oh. It's a, it's a little bit rougher, but it it's a looks great, and the colors are are awesome in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, great stuff. Great, yeah. great stuff. So yeah, uh, Steve, what wh- what do you think about? Obviously, Alex Nade is over at this point. Yeah, right. Um, so obviously, it's I pr- probably tough for you to talk about it because it's tough to remember like what the middle five issues is compared to the last five issues. Um. Well, give me give me like a general. So it this deals with kind of Ada is sentient. Uh, okay. Starting with the first issue of this of, of the second volume, um, and we kind of go through her kind of exploring who, who she is okay. um, and kind of the robot like act has been passed and they're hunting down all these, the sentient stuff like that. And it kind of ends with possibly a character realizing who she is that can get yes. them in trouble. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this was, this was like the integration and, and introducing her to everyone and mm-hmm. trying to pass her off yes. as not a sentient. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, them them doing all the uh, kind of like the the black market thing, removing the mark mm-hmm. and all, all that, that stuff. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to talk about it without going all the way to the end. Yeah. But I just I'm really glad that you enjoyed the second mm-hmm. volume because the th- the third just there you can crash and burn with a story like this. Mm-hmm. You cannot have it be interesting by the end. Your characters aren't you're not emotionally invested enough. Um, there's so much about humanity and and ada is such a reflection of all of that stuff and kind of a a newborn adult mm-hmm. working her way into the world uh you're in for a real treat because there's a lot of stuff that's about to happen uh everybody you know they coming down on them and like you mm-hmm. said somebody something dawns on someone yes in that story and uh that doesn't necessarily turn out to be mm. what you believe either that, so and I, you know i always like the, uh, pr- the premise i love kind of ai stories and stuff like that so uh, i'm really i was really happy to see how it sort of uh came into mm. its own in, in the middle volumes and i think interestingly enough i think his artwork is perfect to portray an artificial intelligence because yep. there's, there's very smooth about his artwork. Right? there's there's yes. not a lot of 
a lot of um, shades and differences in his colors. It's a kind of a flat coloring style and stuff like that. The whole world is very clean. Yes. And very, yeah. very futuristic where everything is very streamlined mm-hmm. and, and beveled and smooth. And yes. Gives that, you know, futuristic impression. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels a little bit, I mean, some of the technologies that they use throughout the story are really cool and are things that you can, you can see happening mm-hmm. In our society within the next like 10 years or so, maybe not even that long. Yeah, I like the the thought phones. I think they're they're cool. Those are super cool. I I really, like I said, the the technology, there's so much going on in that book. Um, And it's weird to be like, we're new to future concepts, to watch, to be with a character right on the ground floor of somebody else learning about all these concepts and societies and the way things work. I just think it's a very comfortable book reader relationship. Yeah. And it has uh, like some aspects of that, that movie, her, right. That there's some, there's some similarities there between the two. Uh, Stephanie, you said, I mean, you, you read it, I guess a while ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, What did you think of it? I liked the beginning and the middle of Alex and Ada. Um, I don't want to go into too much of my thoughts on the latter part of it. Well, don't um, because I haven't read it. I, I won't. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I liked the buildup and um, the relationships. And um, I thought it was really enjoyable and um, an interesting take on the whole artificial intelligence thing. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really glad that I didn't buy it until now because it reads better as a trade. It does simply, I think it reads. I mean, I don't know how it reads the single issues, but I'm glad because the third volume comes out very soon. So I, 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 I'm going to get through them very, very clo- close together because I read the first volume all the way back when we did like book of the, book of the year stuff, comics of the year. Yeah, because I, I wanted to do miniseries. You yeah. said, why don't you hold off until yeah. it's done? So this is the year. This is the year. Yeah. <laughs> this is the year. Um, did, all right. Did anyone read the news story about the hitchhiking robot? No. No. I, fr- I forget what company built this thing, and they'd, they'd put it out on the side of the road, and it would, you know, hitch, artificial intelligent robot. It managed <laughs> Going to, my g- way. to get, right, exactly. <laughs> it managed to get all the way across Canada with no problem. Europe awesome. and Canada. Europe and Canada. It got from, like, Boston to Philly, and someone vandalized it and wrecked it and left it on the side of the road. Of course they did. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's why those Amazon drones are never going to work out. <laughs> um, yeah. And and Bob, once uh, once Daredevil is done, I'm gonna have to get you the 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 trades so you can, you can read them finally. I could borrow the single issues. It's true. I don't I don't think I have the first like four or five or something. Ah, yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> okay. That book is incredible. Yeah, um, I caught up. That was one of the things I caught up with this week. Yeah, uh, I read I think three issues. I was behind, mm. and it's just. It's so good. And everyone you lent me, I love. Yeah, it's so tense. It's very tense. It's always so tense. We're a tense and scene. I love ever since the Netflix Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I've really appreciated uh, Kingpin's character, mm-hmm. and he's so good. Yeah, in Wade's uh, and Samney's Daredevil, really that good. final issue when they're they're speaking with one another is just. Oh, I, yeah. I could read. Yeah, <laughs> I could read a whole trade volume of them just talking about stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and it's. It's interesting, right? Because they're kind of weaving in this this the Shroud character, yeah, right? Who is someone I'd never heard of before the the Mark the Mark, Mark Way brought him in, and apparently he's like a very old character that mm-hmm. is, that he kind of brought back. Um, but I love that. I love the way he's become this kind of very formidable sort of enemy, but also, but it's not, you know it's like a weird relationship that that they have. Well, between him and is it Akari? Akari, yeah. Okay. Those two characters are extraordinarily imposing and yeah. dangerous. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just, I love that we're coming to the finale of this and there's so many, there's so many threats on the table Mm -hmm. and they're all positioned to do really terrible things. Yeah. So you're not just afraid of like one big bad. You've got three in that room and they're all equally dangerous. Yeah. And what's what's interesting is that if you, if you go back and read the end uh, or near the end of his first the first set of issues you know the the one through 36 or whatever there was this big ramp up where akari was part of that as well Mm -hmm. and and there was a sort of moment where you thought matt was in a ton of trouble and then you realize he's kind of had he has step up on all of them but at this point all those things that he had he had ready to go the last time Mm -hmm. he doesn't this time so he is in deep trouble and and i i really have no idea how he he gets back from what's going on right now that final page has me so nervous yeah i know (laughs) they're rebooting the whole world you never know what they can do yeah uh and i just love it's one of those years i love that like one of the things that i will say about secret wars it's taken a lot of books off the table as far as like doing the secret war stuff but a lot of the books that i really really love Mm -hmm. have not really touch with it at all i mean obviously they're dealing with like silver surfer ms marvel mm-hmm. are dealing with it. loki magneto they're dealing with it daredevil's not dealing with that at all Good. <laughs> it's just Good. going yeah, just going through it they don't even put like a, any sort of secret wars labeling on it at all yeah. all those books have just kept going and, and i haven't and really they haven't missed a beat you know we're gonna probably have a month maybe maybe when you're not gonna see an issue of those books before they all start coming back again so yeah I'm happy about that. I mean, I talked about it last week, but the the Magneto uh, last day stuff, uh, the integration of that into the event is so smooth mm-hmm. that if you've been reading Magneto from the beginning, you you could see how this was ramping up to mm-hmm. the scenarios that they're dealing with in that book now. It's so good. Cool. Awesome. All right. So I think, Steve, it's your book of the week. <laughs> bonanza. That's my sexy. That's my sexy oh, music. Okay. Yeah, it did sound like bonanza. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Sexy bonanza. I got like seventies car driving music. Just okay, give me some some pistols. I'll fire them into the air. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing. I picked up uh, Sex Criminals is back for a third arc, mm-hmm. and uh, I was probably the last one that I had read was eight, which was where we were introduced to Robert Rainbow. Yes. Uh, OBGYN to the stars. Mm-hmm. Well, not really to the stars, but... Very to st- our star. To our star. Yeah. And um, I had a little bit of catching up to do, and I said to myself, I'm like, I'm not going to jump in at the, la- you know, the last issue that I read because just the, the mood of where all the characters are at. Because I remember there was a lot of turmoil going on, I'm at, it's like walking into a room and the people that you walk in that you're about to visit, like they were just fighting and you walk oh, in like, boy. Hey, yeah. should I maybe you guys need any ice? Yeah. I'll go to the store and get some ice. So I went all the way back, uh, to issue six, uh, which is the first issue of the second arc and read from six up into 11 and hot damn, it was an absolutely just incredible, hilarious, emotional bunch of adjectives story. Uh, there's some really, really insane stuff going on mm-hmm. in this book. Uh, to talk specifically about Eleven, by the way, I have the Brian O'Malley cover, which is absolutely hysterical. It's uh, John and Susie in bed, and it looks like an old school Nintendo Entertainment System cover for a game, and he's got uh, his Johnson's guy. The the head of it is a Goomba, <laughs> so that's amazing. Um, but essentially, where we are in the story for people that haven't been keeping up with sex criminals, uh, in the first arc, we were introduced to this group of people called the Sex Police, 
and they are kind of keeping tabs on these people that are able to enter uh, this quiet and kind of stop time or slow time when they orgasm and go about their day robbing banks, um, taking a dump in their boss's potted plant, whatever you feel like doing, right? So they have now decided that the sex police have done one too many things to them, whether it's out of spite. There's this tit-for-tat that's happening within the two groups, and John and Susie decide that they're kind of going to round up the troops. They find a uh, like a filing uh they found they find files. John finds mm-hmm. files that uh, there are other people like them in the world and even within their area. So they're going to go and kind of recruit people, and they wind up with this, you know, misfit group of characters that are going to use their special, you know, time slowing orgasmic abilities <laughs> to stop the sex police or at least put an end to their shenanigans because they're really hitting them. In uh, like they're not just doing messed up things; they're doing really like they're emotionally invested in a lot of these things, and they're just tearing everything down and making their lives miserable. And it's time for it to stop. And uh, like I said, John and Susie are going around recruiting people, and oh man, we're getting into some really, really weird stuff. Like it already started when people are, are orgasming and they're able to stop time. That was weird enough in the beginning, but now we're getting into like astral projection during sex. Uh, I will not spoil the new uh, the newcomer. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> to, to the team, but his ability is rather unique. Mm-hmm. And um, for somebody who uh, this is going to sound really weird, kind of perverted, but for somebody who who dabbles in that world a little bit, I won't spoil it for you. It put a really sloppy smile on my face because i was like of course you can take that a really yeah. weird way that's why i'm doing it <laughs> yeah. this is why people come to the podcast man. in that world yeah. <laughs> i'm a man of many flavors there bobby yeah. but anyway like ba- the baskin robbins of porn <laughs> so well the name of the issue is manime <laughs> is it yeah okay there you go yeah. perfect it is wow yeah i got uh, image perverted comic on mine. Oh yeah, because you adjusted. have the variant. Yeah, right. So anyway, um, I'll wrap up in a second. I just want to, if you haven't jumped on Sex Criminals, I don't know how inviting this is. If you haven't been reading it, to jump on at the third arc, I don't recommend it. They do recap you a little bit, and honestly, like what's going on within the story and them rounding up the troops and and somewhat, you can jump into that part of the story if you're curious about the book and you just want to grab one issue. But, um, I mean, the art continues to be so dazzling and expressive and sensual and gorgeous. And the the colors that Zdarsky uses and just how real all of this stuff, as ridiculous and wild fantasy as this book is, this book has so many more human uh, moments in it than the vast majority of other stuff mm-hmm. that I read that is very much based in reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's mixed with this, you know, twisted humor and heart, and and you're you're you've been through you know kind of the uh, the meeting and the breakup and the coming back together of these characters, and there hasn't been a single moment where I haven't felt invested about their future and and something as simple as them holding hands after going through an issue where they're really at odds and they're. You know, John's character appears more than halfway through the book where he's grayed out like a ghost because it's, you know, 
art-wise, it's, it signifies where he's at mentally within the relationship and within the world that he's walking around as a ghost of himself because he's having, you know, head problems mm-hmm. uh, as he refers to them or, or brain issues or whatever. And we've all been there. You know, we all get into funks and we all get into moods where we just kind of want to disconnect from everybody, even though we we know that we probably shouldn't. And it's just handled so, so well that when you get those moments where they're coming back together and they're starting to work together and that that energy that they had at the start of the of the series is starting to buzz and you can feel it coming back. It's just super, super, super exciting. And uh, I positively loved it. I'm so glad to be caught up with this book. Uh, it continues to be amazing. We talk a lot about, especially during the end of the year stuff, mm. about things that just continue to be amazing, like Saga mm. and Daredevil. Sex Criminals is one of those series that just continues to blow my mind every yep. single issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say if you haven't read the other stuff, just go buy the first trade. Yeah, seriously. It's nine ninety nine if you buy it full retail. I'm sure you can get it for a lot cheaper if you buy it somewhere else. Um, it's well worth it. And if you can find the single issues, grab them because the letters. Oh, man, the letters. I think all the letters are in that deluxe edition they put out. Oh, the big the big pink one? Yeah, the yeah. big pink one, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So Sex Criminals, uh, number 11. So, Stephanie, what was that image book you didn't talk about before? I... Well, I just I sent you a link also for okay. Bob's to see or to not to see Fantastic Four. I just read a couple lines of dialogue from someone who just got out of the movie, uh-huh. and it's horrific. <laughs> um, somebody wrote, A colossal disappointment, so dull and inert, it actually makes one pine for the 2005 version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, not good. Yeah. And then there's apparently... Uh, Victor pre-transformation says, I think the whole world should come to an end. And then Susan sarcastically says, listen to Dr. Doom here. Oh, (laughs) no. Yeah. And then the last one that this person also wrote said, it's clobbering time is something Ben Grimm's abusive brother used to say before he slapped him about. (laughs) So, Bob, I just wanted to put that in there. Thank you. No, I'm. I'm. Oh. I don't think you need to stack the deck more against him not seeing it. Well, I just wanted him to be <laughs> informed, like really well informed. Like maybe mm. you definitely shouldn't give them your money. <laughs> maybe you should pay to see something else and then sneak in <laughs> to Fantastic well, I, Four. The old, uh, the old. Uh, yeah, the old double, three, double feature. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Two for oh, one. The old, uh, I bought a ticket to see Wild Wild West and saw South Park the movie when I was like 13 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bob, I think you should do that. <laughs> I did that to see Tank Girl mm. in the theaters. I have a long, it's a much longer story than that. Uh, I called my mom. You should do that. And one more thing before I get into my book of the week. Mm. Fine, Bobby. I don't hate her Psylocke. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just thought I couldn't, I didn't get just to look at it, but I, I saw the link that you that you put up. They, they posted a video of Olivia Munn um, doing some kung fu or shenanigans, mm-hmm. uh, and I have to admit that she looks pretty good at it. All right, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're coming around, then I I think she's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a hard sell for this one too. I, know. I really hate her. I know you do. I know you. Um. Do. All right. So, <laughs> book of the week. My mm-hmm. book of the week. Rambling. Well, no derailment aside <laughs> um is nailbiter volume one there will be blood uh by joshua williamson and uh, illustrated by mike henderson um so 
I believe we've talked about this on the show a couple times now. Um, and basically the whole idea behind Nailbiter is where do serial killers come from? And uh, Buckaroo, Oregon has given birth to 16 of the worst serial killers in the world. And no one can really figure out what is going on. It's like not in the drinking water necessarily because, you know, the whole town's drinking that Kool-Aid and, you know, not everyone's <laughs> killing people. Um, it's... It's this thing that's affecting very specific people, and um, someone has figured out the formula, uh, like what's going into this, uh, you know, serial killer, uh, you know, formula X Mm -hmm. um, to create the Powerpuff Girls of serial killers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... um, there's somebody who's figured it out and he calls his friend um, to, you know, uh, he calls his friend to come with him so that he can, you know, tell him what's going on and be like, dude, figured it out. Because why would you just tell it over the phone? (laughs) That wouldn't make sense. That's silly. Well, maybe there's a reason he couldn't tell him over the phone, Stephanie. Maybe. I don't know because you don't find out in volume one. You do not. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, so uh, this dude, Nicholas Finch, um, he he goes to Buckaroo. And, um, you know, given that there's a lot of serial killers that have come from this town, you can imagine that it's not a story about how amazing Christmas is. Um, <laughs> some shit goes down, um, mostly involving serial killers. And, um, you know, he's he's... Trying to just survive. Uh, he's teamed up with the local sheriff and, um, you know, the nail biter. Yeah, the nail biter is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, what was it about this volume of this image book that grabbed you over the other two, over Witches or Southern Bastards? Yeah, so, you know, I, I honestly didn't think that this was going to be the one that really caught my attention. So I was a bit surprised. Like, I, I thought I would enjoy it. Um, I thought I would enjoy all of them. And I was really surprised that Nailbiter was it. I just thought that amongst the kind of gruesome details that um, are thrown at you, it was a really good story and it was interesting and the mystery just forced me to keep reading. Um, I felt compelled to figure out what was going on and my brain was constantly like, what's happening? Who is behind all this? What is going on? What is in their secret serial killer pie? (laughs) Um, like how, how is this all happening? It was one of those mysteries that, you know, is told so well and that it brings me in, it brought me in and made me want to, you know, not be a part of the serial killer fiesta, but, you know, be a part of figuring out what the mystery is. Um, and I, I really liked that. I, I liked how invested I got and how much I enjoyed, um, coming along for the ride um the art wasn't i I liked the art it was different Uh, i don't want to say it wasn't my favorite part of the book i think that it was well suited to the book um and and again it was different it was very you know indie-ish like it's not something that you'll see in marvel or dc but it worked well for this Mm. um i was really skeeved out by the whole nail biter thing i was like (laughs) (laughs) no bueno um (laughs) But yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's genuinely creepy, and 
It doesn't go for sort of um, a creepy overkill, though. You know, it's creepy where it needs to be creepy. And then Williamson does a great job of stepping away from that and focusing on important plot details um, to fill the rest of the pages and not just gruesome, uh, fingerless victims. <laughs> um, it's also got, it's very creepy, but it's also got sort of a sense of fun to it at times as yeah, well, which I think yeah. is a good balance. Nailbiter, like you would expect him to be a lot more. And there, there's the comparison, obviously, uh, between Hannibal Lecter mm-hmm. um, and Clarice uh, here, but it, you know, has parallels with that, but it is a very different story. Um, so a lot of the times you could be like, oh, well, I can compare this to Silence of the Lambs, but it's it's still really its own uh, monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I just thought it was great. I loved the banter. Uh, I loved, you know, the originality of the story, and it, it makes you think twice about going to Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I thought it was great. And I know we have talked about it quite a bit, but um, I did finally just get around to it. And I think if you haven't gotten around to it yet, you should. Yeah, definitely. I have the second volume. I just bought it. I need to read that because I haven't read that yet. It's good. The second volume is the one with the one with Brian Michael Bendis, right? Yes. As a character? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's a great issue. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I definitely got to check that out. I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it, Stephanie. Um, yeah, it definitely turns out like I definitely buying less books weekly. I definitely have now felt myself not even just like like, Loki's thing was intentional. I was like, I'm going to read through all these books. I need to get through them because I have them sitting here. But reading Alex and Ada, breaking open Casanova really wasn't a plan for me. It was just I had time and headspace to read something else. It's really nice. Yeah, it's very nice. It was very nice. It's, It's nice to break myself of that bad habit of buying too many books. See, occasionally I'm right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there have been, uh, obviously there's releases every week, but the bigger events and stuff like that just have been certain books that are normally on the shelves are no longer there. Yes, definitely. And, you know, for me, it's been, do I want to dabble in, like, you've been getting a lot of, like, the number ones Mm -hmm. for the Marvel stuff. And I was doing that at the start, and I I needed to get picky. Mm. Like, those $3.99 price tags, man, they add up. I've gotten a, most of the, the number ones. I didn't get a couple of them. I didn't get the Civil War one. I didn't get a couple of the other ones because mm-hmm. it just didn't interest me. But um, yeah, I mean, honestly, most of the books that I got number ones for, I'm not reading anymore. But the ones I am reading, I really like. So yep. Thor's Future Imperfect, stuff like that. Um, you know, Captain Marvel. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Captain, it's only two issues, but Captain Britain as well is yes. going to be one of those. Um, I've really liked. So I'm happy that I, I'm reading them. And as much as they're not part of continuity and they're not part of the larger conversation, probably after this, they're fun stories that I'm enjoying reading. Yeah. So I like that about them. I'm super excited. I have, I believe it's 35 issues or maybe it's 38. Uh, I have all of mind management okay. in a single issue to go through. I've been collecting it this whole time and it just ended. I can't wait to go through that whole thing. That's going to be a journey. That's going to be one of my next um, graphic novel purchases. Yeah. I kind of wish I had that. I've seen like they're the very nice, nice fat hardcovers. Hard yeah. They look so good. And they're from Dark Horse. So they're beautiful, big hardcovers yeah. and they're $20. Yeah. Found and uh, yeah. sewn in and yeah, they're always great. Dark Horse always is great stuff. <laughs> and it really, it really was reading uh, three story that got me ex- interested in reading my management because I'm I think I've read the first issue and that's it. That book was so good. So, were you reading that month to month for a while? For a while you were my management. Yeah, for a while you. were. I read the first six and then the zero issue. Okay, uh, and then at seven 
I I bought it and I just kept it's really I mean Matt Ken stuff you kind of have to stay in there and stick with it and it was just month to month I, I couldn't there was a lot to read. Like yeah. you had to read like the seams of the pages. Was right, yes. yeah. Yeah. You know, all, like all the little stories, like I was starting to forget the backups and how they tied into everything. And, uh, it's just something that I wanted to support. Mm-hmm. But once it got, you know, three, four arcs away from me, I was just like, I'm just going to wait. I'm just yeah. going to wait until it's all done. But now I have it. It's all collected. It's all done. And I'm going to do one of my, you know, 38 issue binge reads. Mm, nice. Just that's all I'll read that week and really, really soak it in. Cause I know it's going to be amazing. Our friend Lauren has been championing that book, you know, issue by issue. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I can't wait to get back into it, especially after reading, uh, pistol whip yeah. and three story. Yeah. Three story was fantastic. I'm gonna, uh, and I'm doing the same thing with what's it called? Passed away. So that's the book. Yes. Coming out yeah. right now. Right? I'm going to get that in trade. Cause it's just too dense. To yeah. I got that first much. issue, liked it. And then yeah. I couldn't find two or three. So mm. yeah, it's just the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely. That's another thing. Some of these smaller issues seem to be in less stock in the stores recently. Mm. I'm not sure what's going on. It's just so much money thrown mm. at, the events that mm-hmm. the store owners don't know what they're buying, but it's we're all having the same thing. We have to jump around store to store, and we yeah. go to some yeah. fairly well-run yeah. enterprises, and yeah. yet there are books that aren't aren't mm-hmm. there right I now. I had to go to uh, Fourth World for Lobster Johnson, um, and f- Lobster Johnson or anything from the Hellboy universe always comes into the shop. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happened there, but yeah, I mean, it's been the last couple of weeks have been really kind of bizarre, mm-hmm. and I think I'm I'm actually getting to the point in this podcast and in our our journey that I'm settling into just buying what I want to read. I no longer feel this pressure to be there for everything. Mm-hmm. It's really freeing. It is very yeah. freeing thing. It's a very freeing thing. Um, all right, Bob, here we go. Speaking of a series in which Speaking. I'm missing an issue <gasps> and didn't realize it until this yep. week. Yep. Ouch. <laughs> I don't have three either, and I didn't yeah. pick up four because I don't have three. I, oh, well, I'm going to try not to spoil it then. I mean, it's fine. You talked about... You, I mean, it's okay. I you did talk about, about three. issue three. Yeah, yeah I, I just... I, 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 re- I went sit down. You're talking about Sabrina. Sorry, the chilling yeah. adventure Sabrina. I'll just spoil your, your reveal of what your book of the week is, but I sat down. I was like, I got issue four. I went to the shop. Yeah. Got issue four. I was like, awesome. Sabrina's out. Great. I was like, this is coming out pretty regularly at this point. Um, if you can call two issues coming out and two yeah, months yeah, regular yeah. as a pattern. And I sat down to read it, and I was like, wait a second. I was like, did I read three? I was like, no, I don't think I read three. And I went back and looked at my my, my, my box, and I was Two. like, I don't have three. Ouch. So now I have to go find three before I read it. But Yeah, yeah. which may not be the easiest thing to Probably find. Probably not. Because this was, again, I, I I picked up this and Lobster Johnson at Android, so mm-hmm. I had to go to Saville. Yeah. If I, if I can't find it physically, I'll just read it digitally and then read four, and then I'll, I'm going to buy yeah. the trade anyway, so it doesn't matter. Oh, I can't wait for the trade because yeah. there'll be some nice back matter, mm. I'm sure. Well, the, my book of the week is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Number 4, and there really aren't enough words for me to say how much I've enjoyed this series as it's creeped and crawled through the four issues. Look, this is Sabrina, the teenage witch, and yet this is creepy and scary and horrendous, and it turns the whole thing on its head, but still gives you the feeling that you're reading Sabrina and mm-hmm. Riverdale and all the rest of it. Uh, and just as you think things can't get any darker, uh, Roberto Aguero Sacasa and Robert Hack just throw another terrible monkey wrench into the works. This I'm going to try not to ruin this. This picks up from the cliffhanger in issue three, where uh, Miss Potter, who's the not-so-human alter ego for Madame Satan, mm-hmm. who I think it was in issue two, was where she's, two. she's the 
jilted lover of Sabrina's dad mm-hmm. who got thrown to hell. Yes, that was issue two. Yeah, and her father got turned into a tree, mm-hmm. which she burns to the ground <laughs> when she gets brought back from hell by Betty and Veronica. Mm-hmm. I mean, please, <laughs> this is just, just so great. Well, she is now the drama teacher, <laughs> and she's running Bye Bye Birdie, which is just hysterical. Of course, Sabrina went to Anne Margaret for help in playing the part. Miss Potter, Madam Satan, has sent Harvey Kinkle charging out into the woods because she's she knows something Harvey doesn't. It's what Sabrina is actually doing in the woods. She's not out there kissing boys. She's being indoctrinated into, you know, the seventh circle of hell and Satan and dark magic and whatever. And I'll just leave it right there. <laughs> that's, so that, that's the first two pages of this. You've got some great, great scary stuff here. It's done in that very creepy, eerie style from the 60s, Bernie Wrights and Gray Morrow. It's got some interesting guest stars in new roles here. I won't say much more than that. Good old-fashioned scary story that you would tell around the campfire, but those stories you knew where they were going. I've got no clue where this is headed. <laughs> because it just keeps changing up into something else, and I, you can't necessarily trust where this is going to end up. If we remember Afterlife, was it six? Afterlife six. I don't even remember at this point. The, I believe the, it was the, six. The, six. the, the Sabrina, Sabrina issue, issue six, yeah. that ended with her as the bride of Cthulhu. Right. I yeah. mean, come on. So uh, <laughs> who knows what can happen here? If people have backed away from where this has been, because well, it's Sabrina. Mm. If you love horror, this is a book to jump on. May I, I can't again can't say enough how great this book has been. And I've. I might have been against it to start with. It's like, oh, come on. How can you do this? Yeah, it works. <laughs> and I think it's, I, I like Afterlife with Archie a whole lot. I think this is better. Yeah. Strong words. Strong, Strong words. words. There's almost as many issues of it now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> catching up. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. Yeah, me neither. It's. I mean, I love both those Archie horror books, so I'm, I'm excited to check it out. Look who's back. Ah! I, I do love the, I do love the <laughs> art a lot in it. Uh, cool. So that's the Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, number, number four. four. I, that's the cover I have to, that like movie poster cover, which oh, is pretty it's good. Carrie, it's yeah. just great. Yes, great absolutely. Cover. All right. Um, so all that's left is me to do my book of the weekend. Um, cheating a little bit, but uh, it's a ba- it was a Batgirl double feature this week. Uh, yeah. Batgirl number forty two uh, on the regular series. Cameron Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, uh, uh, Babs Tar, of course, and um, Michael. Uh, uh, sh- sorry, Sergey Lapointe uh, on on colors uh, for the for the regular issue, and then the, the uh, Batgirl Annual number three came out. Uh, Cameron Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, and a whole ton of of artists. Yeah, uh, Bengal, Ming Doyle, Ming Ming Ju, Helen Chen, um, and uh, sorry, David Lafuente are, are the artists uh, on Batgirl. All wonderful artists in their own right who do great books uh, on their own. All contributed to this and. They're beautiful and fun stories, both of them. Uh, but what I think is most interesting about these two books is the relationships which are brought out in them. And Batgirl 42 is really about Barbara and her dad. For, you know, the, Livewire is the villain here, but mm-hmm. she's not really there to be anything but something to punch, you know, and something to be a thing that brings them into situations where they're sort of opposite. Uh, of each other and i think that the decision i I, you know i didn't even for some reason i didn't even think about it when the decision was made but having jim be batman has been great in the snyder stuff 
but I think it's almost been better here in in Batgirl because of the relationship and because of now these two. Uh, she's always been able to keep, for the most part, being Batgirl and her dad separate. There's been time where the, the, obviously him being a cop has come into conflict with her, but she's never had to work with him face to face. And now she has to work with him face to face because he's Batman, and they're going to be going after the same situations. They're going to be getting there at the same time, and. You know, you you find out more about you know the company which is is sort of running the Batman program and how they want all the vigilantes other than Batman off the streets and taken in, uh, and, and Jim knows that's not the right thing to do, so he has to circumvent the law in order, in order to do that. And I, I liked all that stuff. Um, I think that playing it's interesting to play a father a father daughter relationship with one of them not knowing who the other person is, but that relationship still being a central aspect of every conversation that they have in, throughout the entire book. Um, I also think that now I know that Cameron isn't doing the Cameron isn't doing the breakdowns anymore. And I think Bab started the breakdowns in the last issue, but in this issue, uh, Jake Wyatt and Michael Lacombe are doing breakdowns and Babs is, uh, is credited as the artists. Um, so, uh, Obviously, kind of, she's getting help setting up scenes and stuff like that. But the art has definitely taken on a different tone and shape and look since she's become primary artist and Cameron has stepped back just to writing duties. And I think that it actually, I love the way the art looks in the first group of issues, but I actually like it more here. Yes. I think it's more dynamic. I think um, it's got more interesting variations to the characters and to the, the action. And it, it, you know, begins to look less like any other book out on, on the sands and not that it already looked different but it belonged when it was Stuart and her doing it together it belonged to a kind of school I think of of kind of alt looking superhero books and now this has a totally different looking feel to it and um, you know sometimes it's big and over the top and almost anime-ish in, in the way that it looks and other times yep. it's it, it looks more traditionally superhero but it and, and I think the colorist as well I think he's doing a great job with everything that's going on here it's it's dynamic but it also sometimes has like a very kind of watercolor look it's got a great variation it's never boring it never leaves you wanting anything and, and i just think that uh it, it, it's it's a really great depiction of of barbara i mean bob this was going to be on your lightning round sure. uh, and we'll talk about the annual after this but what did you think uh, of all the things 42? you're saying without question the, the relationships at the heart of it mm-hmm. and it's Jim Gordon as Batman, I didn't think would really sort of work. Mm-hmm. It just seemed, oh, this, uh, we've, we've seen other Batman before. Mm-hmm. But because this is someone who's never been Batman before, who really had no interest in being Batman except someone had to be, mm-hmm. and how that plays out with Barbara here, who he knows that these vigilantes have risked their families, their own lives to do the right thing. He has a soft spot in his heart because Batman saved his city how many times? Right, yeah. And knows that Batman trusted these people to do these things. Mm-hmm. And so we have that. We also, really, it hasn't been from the start of this. There's been a couple of hiccups here and there. As Barbara's roommate, Frankie, says, always got to be the smartest guy in the room. Barbara, as detective, is Mm -hmm. paramount here. Yes. Yeah, she's kicking people in the face Mm -hmm. and doing Batgirl stuff. But it's that she is a genius. Mm -hmm. And it plays itself out. This is a super science villain that she finds a way, with some help, but goes to the right people. How do we do this? How do we find a way around this? And gets it done. Mm. Stunning. Yeah. Steve, what would you you think of a 42? 42 is uh, probably hands down my favorite issue of the Burnside Batgirl stuff so far. There's just – there's something about the Barbara and Jim Gordon Batman. It it works so well. There's a page 
in here where like they've kind of wrapped up the uh the caper and the villain that's going on and the interactions that they have i love that he doesn't know and she does yeah and the way that they're playing with that and the little the little subtleties the things that she knows what's like what working with batman is like and jim is still learning how to be the batman and she has all this foreknowledge and she's like you know by the way this is the this is the point in the conversation where you're supposed to just vanish on me you know and he i think he's starting to figure it out but i think the there's a part of him that wants to deny any kind of suspicion that he might have that his little girl is out there risking her life all the time mm-hmm. um especially since he was so against her getting involved in that sort of thing to begin with yeah mm-hmm. uh the art is just positively stunning i think it gets better with every issue and it's never been as like just kinetic and alive mm-hmm. some of the action sequences in this are just spectacular um i just i love the contours of the body shapes in in this issue and just in babstar her stuff in general has been really good but i love like the subtle differences in the people that are the batman that jim gordon's batman has got a kind of got this almost like statuesque long like elongated mm-hmm. cowl to him and it almost gives him like a almost like a stately kind of batman rather than a super imposing batman i mean he still looks yeah. like a badass but he looks like a matured batman i don't know maybe it's just me but uh just so so much of this of this book is is working for me i really like the the interpretation of the villains the background character the support cast is phenomenal uh frankie uh, kind of acting as the new oracle mm-hmm. is is fantastic and there's just it's filled with tiny like little moments that put a smile on your face to equal out to just every page has something on it to enjoy mm-hmm. and uh i mean i've been i've been loving it this whole time ever since the change but just it's really beginning to hit its stride and everybody seems to be really comfortable in it now and uh babstar especially is really really shines uh in this issue absolutely and then moving on to the annual uh i, I think that it as I, I and for the fact that it's part of the ongoing story of Batgirl, I loved Forty Two, but I think I actually liked the annual more than in Forty Two. And one of the things I love about it is it's it's this kind of tour of the Bat family, and, and especially the the uh, the female members of, of the Bat family. You know, primarily, except for a, some people, kind of one character in the first story, kind of being a big part of the story, but not really being there for for most of it. Mm-hmm. It's mostly a story about. Batgirl and these different women going on these these adventures or having these conversations and uh, you know we, we start off with uh, Helena Bertinelli right. uh, who obviously has been focused heavily in Grayson she's been his partner in Grayson member member of Spiral and it's the two of them sort of making their way kind of raid style up this building to try to get to this get to this this item they need and they kind of have different different goals but the same aim so they're helping each other and all the while they're sort of like this mystery partner of helena's that you know um babs doesn't know about that's wait that's kind of always kind of around the around the corner and obviously it it ends up being dick and uh i love how they play with that relationship and they and it reminded me that she doesn't know that he's alive i forgot that she didn't know he was alive uh after the events of of forever evil and i love I, lo- I love the history between those two characters to begin with. So to have it 
there in this I think is really great but I love the fact they never see each other I love the fact that um, that they're kind of always kept separate and at least yeah. in at least some cleverly way. done cleverly done and, and, and so I, I love that the art by Bengal is gorgeous um, he did the uh, end game tie-in a, a couple months back and had a great job there too colors everything about it I love the way he draws uh, Barbara I, I, and uh, the action is fun there's some goofiness there's some yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the way she, the way that she, pointing at her, the way that she kind of gets suspicious that it, yeah. that it might be Dick, this kind of man in disguise, is, is a really, really yeah. funny thing. And I, I just think that that was, that was all really great. What did you think of that, that first story, Bob? I haven't been reading Grayson, mm-hmm. but pretty quickly picked up on, on that that had to be yeah. who will be the huntress somewhere down mm-hmm. the road. Very nicely done spy bit and... Knowing that he was supposedly dead was issue seven or whatever. Forever yeah, evil was yeah. the, the big reveal mm-hmm. there. It's it's a little bit heartbreaking it is. having having read Nightwing Oracle mm-hmm. and seeing what the other universe version would become. Yeah, to see that missing here for the two of them. Yeah, it's sad, but yeah. it's so well done. Had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. See what about you? <laughs> it's great. I'm, I can't. I I can't stop looking at the that shot. Yeah, of, of her. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've been a fan of Ben Gall's art for a while. Uh, his work with Batgirl between this and the other issue has been spectacular. And I love the enthusiasm. If you follow him around online and you follow him on Twitter, he's really, really enjoying working with mm-hmm. this character. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see another thing from him or maybe even just like a standalone thing that's just him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But um, graphic novel would be nice. That would be cool. But I mean, yeah, the 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 kind of cat and mouse aspect to uh, the two characters following around or just missing one another is really great. Uh, just like I said with the Bab Star stuff, the expressions, the facial expressions on this. There's so many great faces in this comic and the action sequences. I mean, there's foots inside of faces that they're not meant to be that way. (laughs) Like the, the nose bone doesn't go that high, you know? And, um, it's cool. I don't, you don't, I don't really remember seeing Batgirl in too many, uh, like spy scenarios and to, to have the mixture of the Grayson mixed with the Batgirl stuff, I think was blended together really, really well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the story elements uh, are great there because it's the same team. And like I said, they've gotten really, really comfortable with the character and have really made it into something their own. Um, I mean, it's been that way from the start, but it just is really, really coming together now. Yeah. And uh, anybody that's not like, people that walked away from the new Batgirl, you're really missing out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, story two, <laughs> uh, art by David Lafuente, features a character I think we know as Spoiler, um, or uh, Stephanie Brown, and the the discussion and the relationship between Barbara and Stephanie in this issue, this little story, is kind of magical in in the, in the way that it's the way that it's put together, and I I love it's this sort of mentor mentee sort of relationship they have where she really wants to be this hero she's trying to figure this this thing out and she doesn't quite have all the the ingredients for it and barbara's kind of there just at the right time to to help her i mean what's interesting about is is they kind of like 
the the story, the first story and the second story kind of like almost like bleed right into to one another, right? Yeah. And I like that. In these kind of stories, the different artists, different little stories, you usually don't see them connect so well. And in this, it's really nice to see how th- th- they connect together. Um, it was just a lot of fun. I thought the art was awesome. I, I think Dave LaFontaine's art is great. Uh, he did a couple issues of All New X-Men, um, uh, I think it was a year ago now, where they were very sort of like, you know, romantic comedy t- type of issues, and, and they were great. And again, here, I, I just love the way it, it's put together. Um, definitely... For, as far as content wise, not the I think the most interesting story, but was probably the one I had the biggest smile on my face uh, w- yep. while reading. And, and certainly, it plays off what was the relationship between Oracle and Stephanie back mm-hmm. in the old Batgirl. So, for those people looking for some of that, it's that's here too. Their relationship takes on some of the same characteristics, if in a different juxtaposition, so yeah. to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I know Stephanie hasn't got a chance to read it, but I texted her once I read that story. I was like, you should probably read the Batgirl annual. Yeah. No. Um, She's got the biggest smile on her face and the the panel you have open. Yeah. We both do. Yeah. It's just so great. Yeah. It's great. I'm sure you love this, even though you're a Stephanie Brown fan. Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, Next story was uh, Batwoman. Uh, Ming Doyle does the art on that. Another gorgeous story. Another really cool thing. Yeah. I, I talked about how much I love Batwoman last week when I talked about bombshells, and to see her here, um, front and center again, w- w- was really really great. It's it's a short l- little story, but it's I think really good, really action packed, yeah. and again, it's got a little Wicker Man action going on. Yeah, what was that about <laughs> and, uh, exactly? And Ming Doyle uh, it, it just she draws Batman wonderfully. Yeah, uh, Batwoman. Sorry, wonderfully. So I, I hope that. Possibly, if you've seen their Batwoman book, maybe she gets a chance to take a stab at that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the final story um, oh. is our Gotham Academy <laughs> story, which uh, is really great. I mean, Bob, I've been talking about it. No, it's, <laughs> it is the best of both worlds connected. Again, same writing team, so mm-hmm. we, we you knew that was going to be seamless. But, I mean, here's Meps. OMG, you're Batgirl. <laughs> that's a, that's all you have to know. It's like, and, and all of it, she knows who she is, Matt. <laughs> I she, said, I can't remember, years ago, I met a celebrity, and this was like, I didn't know what to say. I was young. And they put their hand out to shake mine, and I just went, do you know who you are? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a hunt for some mystical stuff that ties into all the other stories. It really is the culmination of where we all get to. And it's the tone of it is so light and yet serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are consequences and so on, but just what you're always saying, see, the facial expressions are amazing. We get a nice little fight scene and it's all in the Gotham Academy world and Batgirl fits perfectly. Yes. It's as if she was always meant to be there. <laughs> we get a nice Damien mention. Yes, we do. Where, where do you get that from? <laughs> this, this kid Damien. Uh, and, you know, Barbara remembers being that little girl, mm-hmm. I think. She was probably Maps as a little kid. Yeah. You know, who wanted to be a policeman when she grew up. So, uh, yeah, the Batgirl Annual 3 was the was it the, the Secret Origins that we mm-hmm. I, I was saying the people you should be picking up because of the things that would lead into uh, the regular series. I don't know if this will lead to the regular series, but if you've been following Batgirl and you left the annual behind because it's five bucks, it's like, mm-hmm. who cares? You want to read this. Yeah, absolutely. It's got one of the most charming panels of the entire year, which is this um, first rule of superhero club yeah. panel. <laughs> and Maps' reaction to that that statement is, is amazingly yeah. adorable. Um, but yeah, I, it's a great, great week for Batgirl. I, I, I read them both and, you know, I... I, I 
off of my book of the week, I, I'm, I'm trying to to not do books that I've talked about before that we talked about a lot. It's just kind of my personal thing. But after reading these, I had to I had to talk about them because they were just so good and they really deserve both to be read 100. percent And yes. um, the first trade of the Burnside Batgirl is out at this point, so uh, yeah. check check that out. And no waiting. It didn't go hardcover no. twenty five dollars, and in six months it came yeah. out as a trade. And good good on DC. Yeah, they said that. things are changing. That's I think that Brendan yeah. Fletcher had said that. Uh, Grayson's are also out as well and, and uh, um, that's a really good series it's a really fun series and if you like that character and if you like what you saw of Grayson and Helena in, in, the, in this issue I think it's something that's definitely worth checking out because it's very very good Maps reminds me of Maria Norris <laughs> I totally I'm sure does. she'll love that I'm yeah. sure she will but yeah. no especially in this issue um, a lot of it's the hair <laughs> but uh, oh man I always, I always think of her when I, when I see the Maps character yeah all right. Well, uh, continuing an epic run, uh, Stephanie has to go before we do the book of the week, I know, which I've been she quiet chose for like twenty minutes. Yeah. And then I'm like, Rrr. which she chose, but uh, yeah, she has to run. We kind of run out of time. Um, but uh, yes, so Stephanie will not be this for Lobster Johnson, a chain chain forged in life. Uh, but Stephanie, people should follow you on Twitter at Hello Cookie. Yeah, you should. Uh, you've been uh, posting some very nice little doodles that you've been doing. I yeah, and while, while watching Netflix. Yep, I, <laughs> I've been doing a couple of them, uh, commission ones too. So if you're interested, there's info on my website, uh, stephaniecook.ca. Um, so if you want one, a postcard or whatever, yeah, get in touch. Get in touch. Awesome, awesome. And uh, I think everyone will see you next week. I don't know. Are you here for the yeah, Fantastic Four I review? I think so. Wait, okay. what? What's next Fan- week? Fantastic Four review. Oh God. <laughs> You have to make your choice. <laughs> you and Bob will be on the same same. Will they? Won't they? See, I don't want to pay money. Something suddenly came up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sick. I have to read Lobster Johnson. Well, I mean, it's not gonna be a lie. I'm just gonna be like, nah, no thanks. Well, I... while, while you're here, then, because I'm still deciding. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, and I'm st- I'm still. I've gotten loads of wonderful email from mm-hmm. people. Been a lot of great forum posts with all sorts of suggestion sneak into the movie buy a ticket for something else i'll pay double to your favorite charity if you go see it and it's going to come down to friday when i'll decide but i've I've been reading this book that's um the making of the other side of the wind orson welles last movie it's a movie that never got finished he had all sorts of problems with finances and when i tell you that one of his financiers was the this is 1978, was the brother-in-law of the Shah of Iran. (laughs) You know why he had trouble getting his money back to get this movie made. So at one point, uh, there was a chance that Hugh Hefner was going to put money into this project and get by the negative so he'd get to put this movie on. It was set up by Peter Bogdanovich. And Peter told Orson, and Peter was going to be in his movie, the only condition is you're going to have to go to the Playboy Mansion to do it said, Wells, I won't set foot in that place. You won't, Bogdanovich responded. I'm going to clean this up for radio. <laughs> never never touch shice, even with gloves on, he told Bogdanovich. The gloves only get shicier, but the shice doesn't get any glovier. <laughs> the shice? Shice. Well. The shit. Thank oh. you. Oh. <laughs> That's German for that word. Um, so. Shiza. <laughs> so in essence, it's sort of, well, you know, I, yeah, I can go to this movie, but uh, then I've, I'm giving it 
here. My imprint of yes, quality. Bob was saying he's going to have shit on him if he goes to this movie. Yes. <laughs> so we're, I'm, you know, I'm taking that from Mr. Wells to heart. So far. It'll be Steve and I and a mannequin. Thanks for <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic Four. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. We go to the theater. They're not getting me to buy any specialty Fantastic Four drink. Yeah. I was a little disappointed with that Ant-Man. You got an Ant-Man? Oh, the yeah. Oh, the drink at the bar. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I thought you meant like the cup. It was cute. Yeah. It was cute, but it wasn't, uh, it was certainly no $9. <laughs> um, so yeah, Stephanie, uh, we'll see you maybe next week, if not in, in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'll do the first part of the show and okay. then I'll be like, peace out, Fantastic right. Four, no. All right. We'll Just you and Bob both. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Stephanie, have a good day. See you next week. Good night, Steph. Maybe we could uh, we could special guest this, uh, this yeah, thing I next week. Yeah, I think definitely it's going to have to happen. <laughs> you know, call up uh, Joey Petrina. Yeah, I'm Petri- sure. Pacino. 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 Joey Pacino. I'm sure. I'm sure that we'll have uh, you know some other people in the in the rings that can Ooh, join some us. Fantastic and... Four fans around Matt Wood. And oh, Hugh, I don't know if we want Hugh Fantastic Perry. Four fans. He said on... he's not seeing it. Mara told me that really? Matt's not seeing it. Yeah. Oh man. By the way, I don't often um, pimp comics and coffee because I'm tired of hearing myself speak. But Mara was on last week, and she did this thing where she. She, for, for Sex Criminals and Batman, she mm. gave like five recommendations each for manga that you can read if you like those two comics. Oh, really? And it was really good. Cool. She was really, really good. So I recommend people go and, and, and check that out. I mean, people should listen every week for Nikki. I don't care about myself, but yeah. <laughs> um, but that was uh, that was really cool. It was a really good job by Mara to, to rec- recommend those things. Uh, all right. So let's talk about this Lobster Johnson business. Lobster Johnson, a chain forged in life. It's a one-shot uh, set in the Lobster Johnson universe, which I guess is also the Hellboy universe, uh, one of the spin-off characters fr- from Hellboy. Um, so it's written by Mike Mignola and John Arcudi. Uh, Mike Mignola obviously created the Hellboy verse. John Arcudi's been he- doing Hellboy stuff for, for a while as well. Art by Troy Nixie and Kevin Nolan. Um, and uh, colors by Kevin Nolan and Dave Stewart, who is obviously legendary Hellboy colorist. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lobster Johnson is a, a story. It's, a, it's a set during Christmas. Uh, some some bad stuff goes down uh, to a Santa Claus on on the streets, and some mobsters, uh, let, let, let's say, uh, want to st- are stealing some stuff that, that that they shouldn't be stealing. They're, Lobster Johnson is is in pursuit of them, and their chase takes them out into the the cold countryside, out, out, away from the city, and, and that's pretty much the premise of, of what happens. It's all narrated by this Santa Claus uh, uh, that they've taken this, you know, and. He he seems at first kind of like like a stereotypical like drunk drunkard nasty Santa, but he tends to be not not really that. He has a little some issues, but he seems like a pretty pretty good guy. And it's just about these mobsters keeping him hostage and and how all of that sort of result. It's kind of it's kind of framed like a Christmas story, like a, almost like a fairy tale. You know, it's got a very uh, the night before Christmas type of type mm-hmm. of vibe to it. And yeah, that's it. Uh, um, that that's the premise of it. Uh, Bob, what did you think? Well, I knew nothing about Lobster Johnson. Mm-hmm. I then I read some, you know, comic vine sort of mm-hmm. things, and it was well. He's a pulp magazine character within mm-hmm. the Hellboy universe, which yeah. is interesting because here on the cover, there's a guy in like a 2030s motorcycle cup outfit with a big lobster claw in his jacket. Yes. So I got to figure that's him. Yes, <laughs> you know, and he's sort of the spider, I guess, mm-hmm. from the from the old days. I the vibe I got from this was 
the Twilight Zone kind of Christmas episode, the yes. one with Art Carney or whatever, where it's this drunk Santa and bad <laughs> things happen. But he has a really good heart because when these gangsters take him with them, because you know they don't want witnesses, the gangsters are like that, particularly back in the old 20s, 30s days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah. Yeah. They're very much those kind of gangsters, right, too. exactly, right. <laughs> They're going to do something very anti-Santa Claus, so to speak. <laughs> you know, I don't want to ruin this, but he tries to save some stuff, tries to change things. And in, in the interim, you still have the lobster wandering around and shooting out tires and doing... He's the, the, the spider, the shadow. Those pulp magazine characters were pretty violent in their time. Mm-hmm. Criminals were just to be disposed of. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of disposing yes. here. I This is nothing... Earth shattering. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd ever read any Lobster Johnson again because <laughs> you don't get much of him. Mm-hmm. Though I have to say, there's more of him than there was Predator in Archie versus Predator. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> but not by much. <laughs> but it it is a really nice little parable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it was a lot of fun to read, which is not a bad way to go for three dollars and fifty cents. Yes, Steve, what did you think? I enjoyed it. I enjoy any story where I can apply those obnoxious gangster voices yeah. to the characters where I'm sitting there and I'm reading it and, you know, holy, it's the lobster. Yeah. And like, he just came out of nowhere, <laughs> you know? And um, I mean, I do voices in my head all the time. And when you give me characters like that to play with uh, and we stick with them throughout the story, I can have a lot of fun with that. Uh, it's, it's funny that Bob mentioned the Twilight Zone. This reminded me of something that you would see in one of those like Tales from the Dark Side mm-hmm. kind of things where it's four mm. short films of something. Yeah. And this is just one of those little short films. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, Lobster Johnson aspect of that. He's kind of like a Christmas specter in a way. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just kind of, you know, coming up out of the steam and the shadows and, uh, you know, popping up when needed. And uh, just the... His whole his whole deal, I think, was really simple, but good timing. And and when he shows up, and he's like he's it's a Lobster Johnson book, but he's not in it very much. No, but he's in it when he needs to be, and that almost makes it kind of cooler that he's just in the background because obviously he's he's surveilling this whole thing, and he decides to step in when it gets to be too much. But uh, I liked the like the heart of the Santa Claus character and. You know, we're given one impression of him at the start of the story, and then you kind of find out that he's got a bit more heart to him. And uh, I I love watching goons just get dispatched in, in creative ways. Or maybe not even creative, but just blunt mm-hmm. ways. Like, you are not going to ruin Christmas. Right. Not while Lobster yeah. Johnson is on the case. <laughs> not while Lobster Johnson is on the case. I think that what's interesting about the story, you guys are both kind of into it, is that he's sort of... If this was a horror story, he would be the killer, right? He's the he's the yeah. kind of the specter that's hunting them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that just comes out of the shadows when it's time for him to make his move. And there's no really character. The character's all with the the person who, who's narrating the story. And I think that you know, for me, I I I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked the pulpy nature of it. I thought that was cool. And obviously, the idea that he's from a pulp, the pulp magazines in the Hellboy universe obviously totally makes sense. That that's what's going on there. Um. I would say that the book is pretty, it's pretty thin on, it, it, there's not a lot of substance to it, right? It, it's, it's, yeah, this, no. it's this very kind of self-contained 
single idea of this one character doing this one thing and this vigilante, you know, basically not really officially is not really out. Lobster is not really out to save this guy. He's really just more out to like get these criminals. Saving the guy is really sort of not really accidentally accidentally for, for the most part. But, um, so I will say there and not having read anything, you don't have to have read anything past to understand what's going on here. It's very simple to understand, but I think that, I get the feeling that if you had read other Lobster Johnson stuff, that this would have been like an awesome, like, oh, we're, we get to see a little Lobster Johnson story, awesome. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a very, that character thing to do. Oh, it's cool, they're changing it up and doing it from somebody else's yeah. perspective. Um, but not having read that stuff, I, I, I left feeling a little bit unfulfilled coming from it, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't get much out of it. Uh, I will say this, though, even even saying that, I would now like to go back and maybe read one or two of those the volumes that are out that are you know the the story arcs w- w- with the character and see what he's all about because one thing has been proven to me time and time again it's that I love the Mignola verse I love the Hellboy universe I think mm-hmm. that he is almost a foolproof writer run writing in this world he just seems no matter how many years we talked about back when we did the book club you know nine months ago yeah. or whatever when we talked about yeah. the first Hellboy that he he just seems flawless at being able to to write these write this character and and do this stuff and in 20 whatever 20 plus years now he's been Absolutely. doing it it's still he still has obviously the fire and the passion to write it and it's yeah. still a good story i just it did not connect with me in, in the it feels more like a really good appetizer as opposed to mm-hmm. a meal yeah absolutely but right, let's say if this were where it was the shadow who you know mm-hmm. who he is or if this were batman mm-hmm. And that same thing, yeah. flitting about the outside, go, wow, what a great little Batman story. Ex- ex- exactly, yeah. exactly. And not, I think that that's where not knowing the character comes up short reading this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because exactly, if this was a Batman story, I'd be like, oh, that's really cool. They did like a little like one-off Batman story where Batman really wasn't the main character. It was somebody else. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and we see it all the time when we read the books that we read every month. When they do something different for one issue, it's oftentimes our favorite issue of, of that year because it does something different. And and so, yeah, I, it's tough to gauge that, but for just reading it, for me, picking up the issue, it it, it doesn't tell me anything about the Lobster Johnson character, but it does make me want to go back and see what's the character about and to see how... Because I doubt all the books focus on someone else other than right. L- Lobster Johnson, so I want to see what, what, that, what that would be all about. I like the idea of there being a pulpy assassin in the Hellboy universe. Yeah. Well, the fact that they've taken... There, obviously, there's all there's Ape Sapien, there's the Frankenstein book, there's a lot, the BPRD, there's mm-hmm. all of these spinoff books from, from Hellboy. But I love that this is a spinoff that's a fictional character in the Hellboy universe. Right. Who apparently turns out to be a real guy oh, really? okay. at some point. Oh, right, but, okay. But Hellboy reads Lobster Johnson books. Oh, uh, okay. That's really cool. <laughs> that stuff is really cool. Uh, yeah. And I love, it just shows him how much breadth there is to that universe that, that he built. Yeah. It was a little bit weird reading this story in July. Yes. It makes me wonder why they didn't put it out Christmas. Well, uh, cool everybody struck off. Me, no, it struck me right away as I was reading this, just what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Miracle on 34th Street came out in May. Mm. Yeah. Right, and It's a Wonderful Life, I think, in, in August. Mm-hmm. So movies yeah. come out oh, yeah. in weird places. Yeah, but absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. It would have been interesting at Christmas. Yeah. You know, maybe in Dark Horse Presents or mm-hmm. something as a Christmas story. We just don't get very many like holiday-themed comics. Well, hey, now you have one. I know, I know. Yeah, it, it, it's 90 <laughs> degrees, yeah. and we had a thunderstorm that put your power out last night. Oh, yeah. yes, it did. Yeah, there was a crazy thunderstorm here. I heard explosions. That's what woke me up, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I did not go back to sleep. 
No, after explosions, no, sleep is not a, not an option. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't even know what hour of. Yeah, I've been up for a long time. Good stuff. But every time I read a, a Hellboy Universe book, I get into the dangerous time of wanting to go online and buy like yeah. a ton of Hellboy yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I can just have it to read. Um, we have some uh, reactions from our oh, listeners. Uh, at the Brad Pinder says, cool tale, but I'm disappointed. I was really kind of expecting and looking forward to seeing a talking lobster that fought crime. <laughs> um, Sammy Cassell says, Lobster Johnson was okay. Lots of cliches and stereotypes, but with a good heart in a good place. Bet Bob liked it. LOL. <laughs> hashtag old school. Hashtag use guys. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, who's at Liberal Bash and says, I honestly didn't have much reaction. I guess I rate it fine. Um, Jason Dunn, who's at CT's Finest, says, A holiday story I may one day share with my kids. Now, if only Johnny Christmas did the artwork, we might have had the Aww. perfect book. Uh, Music City Comics, who's at Just Drew VG, says, This Lobster Johnson is like Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July with guns. The story came out of nowhere, but was a lot of fun. So thank you very much for, for writing in with hashtag TCBOTW. Steve. Bobby. I looked over the releases that were coming out this week. Oh, did you now? And I have a feeling oh. <laughs> that I have an inkling of what you're going to pick. Um, it's real hard this week. <laughs> it's real hard. Uh, so lay it on us, Steve. What, what, what's your pick? All right. Well, first, uh, we had uh, our listener and friend, uh, Brad Pinder, decided to make a guess by mm-hmm. sending me a DM, and he was absolutely correct, and he wins a shout-out on the okay. show for wow. doing so. So congratulations, Brad. <laughs> and uh, I am going to choose from Boom Studios, John Flood, number one. Bobby's nodding, because of course I did. <laughs> uh, it's written by Justin Jordan with art by Jorge Colo? I would I would think so. Colo, yeah. yeah. It's Colo, yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so according to Previews World, what is it? As the result of a government experiment, John Flood no longer needs to sleep, but now he's in a constant dream state and something... Uh, Oh, sometimes can't tell what's real and what isn't. But a side effect is that he sees patterns and makes connections no one else can, which serve him well in his new career as a makeshift PI. Together with a blurry, uh, with a burly ex-cop. Flood, <laughs> with a blurry ex-cop, sorry, I'd rather say. I, I didn't make, tired. I didn't, <laughs> I'm tired and I didn't make the text big enough. Uh, Flood begins to investigate uh, when he sees one man responsible for thousands of unsolved murders, but now he himself has caught the killer's attention. Hmm. I have to say, I thought you might pick that, but the one I really thought you were going to pick was this damned band. I yeah, know see, I yeah, yeah. that was the I'd one that, on that, that was one. the one that I really I, thought you were going to pick. I read a six page preview of it. I want to pick it up and I want to read it, but it's one of those things where I feel like I would really divide everyone that either you really loved Spinal Tap or you <laughs> don't. And uh, show me that person who doesn't love this is Spinal Tap. I won't because I don't want to meet him. <laughs> what Spinal Tap? Spinal Tap rules. Yeah, exactly. Smell the glove. <laughs> um, no, John. I mean, John Flood is right up my alley. Not sleeping. There you go. Uh, the whole uh, patterns and 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 PI. I just. It sounds really cool. Justin Jordan is uh, a comics creator that I I enjoy a lot. Between his work on uh, Luther Strode, and uh, he's got some new new jams coming out as of late as a writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, why not? Yeah, I don't know this damn band. If I if if we get it, if I can find it, um, I'll probably end up checking it out. But uh, I want to I wanted to do something weird okay. this week, and uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be good. Cool, yeah. cool. 
I'm excited. Uh, Green Lantern 43 comes out this week, and I've been really enjoying that since it, since they restarted at the 41. Not I restarted, list, but jumped on. I listened to your Batman spoiler cast. Yeah. For the thing, and you guys are talking about like what's next for Rocksteady. Yeah. I so want them to do a Green Lantern game. That'd be cool. Oh my god, I would want them to do a Green Lantern game much more. I I think a Superman game would be great, but I would love to see mm. a Green Lantern game from yeah. them. Bob, what's on your pull list this week? <laughs> One thing. Ms. Marvel. <laughs> Uh, I am buying Spider Island. The cover's oh, much better this Spider time. Spider Island, right? yes. That's only because there's You a, like the first issue, right? Yeah, because there's a Spider Girl story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember the first story, who cares? Mm-hmm. But the Spider Girl. Mm-hmm. I think that might be it. No, there's... Didn't you, or, didn't you also... Didn't you already order Renew Your Vow? So you have to be getting that, right? <sighs> I'm stuck, yes. <laughs> I'm going to try to sneak it back on the shelf <laughs> to see if you won't see it. But I think that's my three books for the week. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm, uh... I'm excited about Renew Your Vows. There's some, there, I saw a teaser image for it that has me very curious about, about what's 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 going down in, in, uh, in that issue. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else for you? Um, yeah, actually, I really want to. I haven't watched it yet. I heard pretty good things about that Gods and Monsters movie, that Justice League Gods and Monsters. I haven't heard like anything. The alternate, like they're like vampires or whatever. It's Baldini. Uh, oh, okay. No, Bruce Tim. Sorry, it's Bruce mm-hmm. Tim. So it, he's not doing any like the mainline ones anymore, but he did. He did. He came, this one came from his brain. So I want to see that they're releasing kind of uh, comics of it too, uh, which I might check out at some point. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be picking up those. Yeah, the Batman, Superman, and now the Wonder Woman. Yes. comes out today. Yeah, she looks awfully like I don't know, Big Barda. Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Midnighter number three comes out, which I'm ex- I'm excited about that. That's one of the books I'm gonna be picking up this week. Um, I'm gonna continue to, to read uh, Bombshells on the digital front. That's that's coming out every week. So I think issue three is out this week uh, already. Um, Airboy comes out from Image, which I'll definitely be picking <laughs> up. Uh, I think it's three of it's a third of four issues, so we're almost done with that. Um, but I'm excited to see where where all that 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 ends up. Um, Deadly Class is coming out, but I don't really pick that up in singles anymore. I'm just gonna do that in trade yeah that's something that i've been picking up i've been continuing to pick up and i really need to move to trade on that one uh kaptara oops it's coming out the chips are going to throw my pen <laughs> throwing stuff throw my pen in the air kaptara is coming out uh, i threw it in the air uh outcast is coming out uh that's that book's great uh nail biter is coming out we just talked about that book and divine is coming out uh detective comics number 43 oh, yeah you 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 were a big fan of that i was gushing over that yeah. it's so good yeah future and perfect number four comes out so i'm excited about that i really have been loving that that series i'm excited about ms marvel I, I really liked the the last day stuff so far i think it's the way they're doing it is very interesting and obviously the uh the, the team up is what we've been waiting for for a very oh. long time so ooh, eight house number two i'm looking forward to that that was that uh that artemis book that i talked about yes with the uh the demons and and like i'm not gonna go through the whole thing again yeah. you can listen to the podcast Demon. um really like just weird weird off the wall book mm-hmm. uh that i talked about a little while ago and i don't necessarily know if they're going to be continuing that story or if they're going to be doing different arcs on different characters mm-hmm. so not only am I interested in reading the book, I'm interested to see what kind of format uh, they decide to run with for these stories. But um, the art alone is enough to make me pick that book up. They're, it's absolutely gorgeous. Awesome. Awesome. I uh, I pre-ordered the Multiversity hardcover that's coming out in September. All right. Nice. Extras? Extras? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Did you ever go back and read The Bunker, Volume 2? No. Okay. Because Bunker 13 comes out uh today tomorrow it's both volumes the second volume with bunker out it's been out for a while oh yeah. it has really yeah 
I've had it in my hands three times. I've totally lost track of it. I've always put it back, but uh, it's going to come down to me actually picking it up (laughs) in the near future because the first volume was good. Yeah, I totally lost track of like that series and like when it was coming out and everything. Yeah, no, it was, you know, it's Oni Press. Oni Press is not, there's like, you know, three books on the table, Mm. amassed of a whole bunch of other stuff that it's very easy to not uh, recognize when that book is coming out. I mean, my goal this week is to go back and I'm not going to pick up a ton of singles and I'm going to go back and keep reading some of the trades and stuff I haven't read yet. I still have the second volume, Wicked and, Wicked and Divine, that I need to read. Um, I've got the second volume of Nailbiter, like I said, second volume of Deadly Class that I haven't read. I've got all, I mean, I read the first volume of Ghosted way, way back, but I'm going to go back and I have all four. I'm going to read through all of them mm-hmm. eventually. So something of that is going to be hitting. And also I have a shipment coming in to... It'll be today, Wednesday. I have like 10 trades coming in. That's awesome. Um, two Buffy library editions, three volumes of Lazarus, and all of the um, Sweet Tooth volumes, which I never finished reading Sweet Tooth, so it's me something I'm going to tackle. Get some tissues. I'm going to have to start from the beginning because it's been so long since I've read it. That book hit me yeah. real hard at the end so I got all that stuff coming but in so it's I got beautiful. a bunch beautiful of stuff end. to check out um, plus whatever you know the few singles I'll be picking up as well so it should be a, a pretty a pretty fun week and then I have a movie to see this weekend at some point yeah yep do you want to make a plan um, yeah I don't know if I can do the Thursday thing this, this week that's fine um, but we'll figure it out okay we'll figure it out definitely because um, no one else will go with me we'll do a, <laughs> we'll do a spoiler cast afterwards yeah exactly maybe for some Patreon oh, pics I'm just going to run around the parking lot yeah <laughs> I'm totally like, <laughs> honestly, I, I mean, I know that my attitude isn't the greatest, but I'm totally ready for whatever comes from when we review this movie mm-hmm. next week. I'm I'm not excited for it. I would love to be pleasantly surprised and proven wrong in my suspicions. So mm-hmm. I'm totally open to that and I welcome it. But people have asked me like, are you hyped? Are you excited? No. No. No, I'm not. I'm not hyped. I'm not hyped either. Um uh, I, I mean, I'm hoping the thing I'm hoping most for is that we get some sort of we get the Deadpool trailer before it. Uh, we're gonna see the, uh, the it's premiering uh, tonight. The time we're recording this Tuesday night on Conan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they released it like tease yesterday, which was very funny. Yeah. Uh, when it's it's like this dark room and it's like a camera push in masterpiece theater, masterpiece, uh. theater. and it's like all dark. And he's like in a world, yeah, where the studio. <laughs> sewed his mouth shut some for some fucking inexplicable reason the first time <laughs> comes me this <laughs> is deadpool and then they my, my trailer or whatever is coming tomorrow so that should it's out tonight so i'm sure next week we'll be talking about that as well um yeah i mean for as far as the movie goes this is what i'm hoping hoping that there's something i can enjoy on a purely movie level even if I don't like the way it's an interpretation of those characters, I'm hoping for some good performances because there are good actors. They're very good actors, so I'm hoping there's some redeemable performances in there as well. Um, but you know, I don't know. We, we the only couple of reviews I've read have been like the big trades, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, yeah. and they've been very, very negative. But uh, again, like that is that's not always a compass of what I'm going to enjoy or not. So yeah, uh, I don't know. Obviously, the, the 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 deck has been stacked against this for a while, so who knows? I mean, people. I mean, I've had a couple of questions, a couple of tweets, and stuff like that, and I just there doesn't seem to be a a lot of these other movies. They, there's this confidence about them and the way that they're promoted and the way that they're spoken about before they come out that they get you excited for what they have planned. It might not be your ideal, you know, scenario for these characters. But the people that are making the movie are like super, super pumped about what they have to offer you and what they're going to show you. And I just – I haven't gotten that from this. Like it's been – we didn't get a trailer for the longest time 
And then it the trailer seemed to go between showing me stuff that I liked and was optimistic. And then I saw an extended trailer with more story bits, and I was like, oh, boy. So I don't know. It's a mixed bag of emotions for me when I go mm-hmm. into this. So I will make no apologies. Yeah. No, uh, uh, and we'll see. Yep. You know, I hope one of us likes it. Yeah, me too, because <laughs> last time. I'm going to scour the internet awkward. for someone who liked <laughs> yeah. it to be on the show. Uh, you guys are all crazy. Yeah. You're too married to the old stuff. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, again, like I am not even like I'm probably the least. I'm not counting Stephanie, who can never even talk about it without the internet breaking. <laughs> but uh, the least of us who, who like I love the, I like the Fantastic Four. Don't get me wrong, but I don't have a huge history. I haven't read it all. I haven't even read all of Hickman's stuff. I read a chunk of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and so of all of us, I'm the one who'd probably be the least hung up on that stuff. But even me, I'm not psyched about it. So we'll see. I mean, I like Josh Trank's one movie that he's done. You know, so that's that's a positive for me. Uh, I, I like um, Miles Teller really a lot. He's great in that movie Whiplash. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I love Michael B. Jordan. I think he's fucking awesome. I, I, I really like Kate Mara. Um, I think she's been really good in some of the stuff that she's been in. Um, and, and Jamie Bell, I mean, he's been an actor since he was like ten. You know, he was in Billy Elliot when he was like ten years old, and he's done really good stuff th- through the years. So I, I think the cast is good. I don't know anything about the guy who's playing Doom. Toby Kebdell or whatever, but uh, you know, whatever. I, there's some stuff about it I think that's good, but the way it looks and the way that it's been kind of pumped out, I, I, I just nothing has gotten me psyched about it. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> we'll see what what happens, uh, and we'll see. I, I, I'm I'm obviously interested in what I'm going to think of it. I'm interested in the general reception of it too. It's kind of in an academic level about what people are going to think of it. Cause I, you know, I've gone to, I went to the movies when I saw um, Fury road. I went with Jeff man cave podcast, Jeff Schaefer and the trailer came on and he was like, Oh, it looks better than the last ones. And so I think that I don't know how it's going to play to people who don't know the fantastic four because they might just see it and be like, Oh, this is, this is cool. You know? So I, I don't know. I don't know how people are going to feel for all their flaws. Those movies made money. Yeah, they did. They you did. Know, they didn't knock anyone's socks off, no. but they more than made their budget yeah. back and did very well overseas mm-hmm. and did well on home video. Yeah. They're predicting an opening in the forties, mm. which is okay. Yeah. Not, I mean, Guardians made what its opening weekend? A lot. But I mean, look, look at Ant-Man. Ant-Man made 50-something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can see that as probably an analog. I mean, it's tough because they don't have the machine behind them. They don't have the they don't have the marketing machine of Marvel behind them, and they don't have the history that the X-Men movies have. So they, they, it's tough for them, to, I think, to, to bolster it without, without that stuff going on. I think it might have helped. Look, Guardians, nobody knew. Yeah. Their trailers were set up in such a way that you had serious sort of who these people are, and each trailer got to be more and more fun. And as you you got to the movie opening, people were so engaged Mm -hmm. by what they were seeing, you had to go see it. Yeah, And even people who didn't care at all about that it was a Marvel movie, it was the new Star Wars Mm -hmm. or the new Rays. It was something new to see that was fun and light entertainment. And each trailer for this seems more and more dour than the one before, Mm -hmm. and it... There are people like, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe I'll go. If there's nothing else to see, I'll go see it. I think is the vibe I'm mm. getting from a lot of people. We will have to see what what, what happens with Fantastic Four. Um, we did have a question. I forgot about this real quick. I, oh, th- I think it was a question. I think it was a uh, liberal bastion. I have to I have to uh, confirm that it was. <laughs> I put it in our in our favorites here. 
yes, said, I just read something interesting. Could you talk about which studio owns Kang? And I did a little research on this um, be- before. Um, so Kang the Conqueror is James Gunn, I think about a month and a half ago, something like that. Um, obviously, big, huge Avengers villain, one of the, the most famous Avengers villains. Uh, they, somebody asked James Gunn about using Kang and using the Badoon, and James Gunn said he can't use either. They're both owned by Fox. And I, I did I did some digging and looking around. You, you said the, the character of the name Kang appeared in what first? Avengers. Avengers 8 and 9. Yeah. Uh, but he was Rama Tut. No, 7 and 8, I'm sorry. Rama Tut first in Fantastic well, Rama Four. Tut, Rama Tut is just a time-traveling pharaoh in Fantastic Four 19 who might or might not also be Doctor Doom <laughs> and the Scarlet Centurion and maybe even Immortus while we're at it. Uh, they've unlinked them eventually and put them back together. Whoever's writing it decides to do what they want. Right, yeah. And you're saying that because of that Rama Tut connection, which is now a Richards connection because it's Reed's grandfather, if I remember correctly. Yes. So, um, what likely still, this is from comicbook.com, what likely solidifies him under the Fantastic Four film rights is the fact that he is alias as Nathaniel Richards and is the distant future relative of Reed Richards. Yeah. So, um, uh, distant future and past at once, yeah. as I recall. So, yes. Okay. But doing thing is an X Men thing because it's a uh, Dark Phoenix stuff or or what what have you. But uh, it's actually an original Guardians thing. Yeah, and a Silver Surfer thing. Yeah, but Silver Surfer but, also owned by Fox. Fox so, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So that's that's what it seems that's like. Too bad. Um. It it doesn't seem. I I would, I would probably guess it's the Richards connection more than the uh, Ramatut thing. I, I I bet you when Fox made their deal, they just secured everyone in like that family, literally, and, and so that's why that character is. Is part of, a part of that deal is a shame, obviously, because uh, he's a great Avengers villain. Yeah, to to, to use and um, it's one that's off the table. But we've taken six years to get to Thanos, so uh, yeah. <laughs> how many more years before we get to Kang? <laughs> uh, well, you know, maybe by then yeah. we'll all be back. They they beat Thanos what? and then it pulls back and it's like Kang is on his chair above everybody else. Yeah. I have to go back. <laughs> who owns Who owns Squirrel Girl? Marvel. Oh, good. So, they almost just definitely yeah. Marvel. Good. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. She can beat Thanos. We don't need the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. So uh, that's going to do it for talking comics this week. Uh, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter at Talking Comics on on Twitter, Facebook dot com slash Talking Comics and podcast at talkingcombooks.com dot com is the email address. Um. You guys can obviously go to talkingcountbooks.com for all our reviews and columns and our many, many podcasts. The Misfits with uh, Melissa Megan, Mara Wood, Stephanie Cook, and Maria Norris. Congratulations, Maria. <laughs> um, we also have Talking Movies, Brian Verderosa, Chris Oliphant, and Nick Scalia. Uh, they just did, um, they're doing Killing their writer and star uh, motif. They did Bottle Rocket last week, along with their, they did a top five directors list, but it ha- their, their first movie had to be made on or after the year 1990. So it was like a, they got the true bots people that are kind of very obvious, you know? Um, and this week they did uh, compo- scores for for a top 10. And they also, they did uh, The Man with the Iron Fists. Uh, I think it's the the RZA, I think is the one who, who guy who wrote it and, and, and stars word. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a martial arts movie. I think it's the RZA. It's someone from the Wu-Tang Clan. I'm pretty sure it's the RZA. Okay. That's what's in my head. All I can think of is, is Jim Jarmusch's ghost dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
talking uh, Valiant with with Adam Shaw, talking games, Steve Say, Justin Townsend, Jackie Turner, and Bobby North. You got it. I nice. His name. Like, it's, a, it's a hard name to forget. Yeah. It's like a he's like a, a, a superhero alter ego. I call them Bobby Gold. <laughs> so you know, I thought I was like, well, it's something primary. It's yeah. something important. Yeah. Like you know, he's like North, and I'm like, that's an important direction. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's the you first could, one. You could have act, you could just played it off like you were complimenting him. Yeah, you're Bobby Gold. <laughs> <laughs> Everything from you is gold, Bobby. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he sounds like 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 you'd be like the alter ego of like an old like forties like vigilante. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they call me Bobby Gold. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, what's on what's on the docket this week? Uh, I'm gonna check out Rare Replay. It's uh, 30 games from Rare, all collected into one thing for the Xbox One. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna have to find some time to do that between today and tomorrow. Rare is a developer who uh, did a lot of games, Nintendo, yes. all the way back, way way back. But some of the big ones, obviously, Banjo Kazooie. Yep, we got Banjo Kazooie. Got Battletoads. Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark. Yeah. Uh, J- Jet Force Gemini mm-hmm. was awesome. Grabbed by the Ghoulies. Uh, Viva Pinata. Right. Yes. Snake Rattle and Roll. Mm-hmm. RC Pro Am, and I'm going to get to the bottom of this. In RC Pro Am, when you would go around the tracks, you had to collect the word Nintendo. Yeah. You had to pick up the letters. What is it going to spell now? There was a di- the, 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 the secret of that is I don't know how they're going to do it in this game. I don't know which version they're kind of emulating or whatever, but there was a non Nintendo version of that game already. Ah, right. So I don't know where what it spelled out, but uh, there was one. Maybe it spells it Rare Replay. Maybe. <laughs> so there's a, t- a possible 10,000 gamer score yes. uh, for this game. People might know Rare did Goldeneye for the, the N64. Oh. That's not on here. No, because it's owned by Nintendo. They can't use it. They can't use that or the Donkey Kong games, obviously, Donkey Kong Country games. Because ah. that's all Nintendo owned. Uh, as far as other stuff, I finished Batman, but you guys have already talked about Talk it. Talk about Batman. Uh, we got to get away from Batman, though. It's What's been, over now? It's, I know. It's been Batman no, every no week No one's playing it anymore. No. <laughs> but I'll get to give my final thoughts on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Galaxy came out. Yeah, I'm sure Justin will be talking about that. I don't know if Jackie's on the show this week. No, she's she back? still in Fire Island. All right. So it'll be three of us then. Yeah. Um, Good, I don't have to drive all the way to Patch Hog. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> and of course, uh, Special Edition Joe, Comics and Coffee. We also, that's where the Batman Arkham spoiler cast is out. Um, and stuff like that all, all goes up on the Special Edition. Really feed. good. It was a really intelligent discussion. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yep. It was fun, it was fun, to, fun to talk about in, in depth there. So if you've finished the game, check that out. I did not like the Riddler ending. I didn't see the Riddler Justin ending. Justin loved it. I thought it was so cheesy. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it aspects of it but i was like really like i went through all of that for this the other two endings the main ending was phenomenal that's why i never get all the other trophies um so uh (laughs) so yeah and there's a really funny we posted i think we posted it on our twitter but there's a really funny video of like alfred in the place of batman doing all the fights yeah somebody did a pc mod yeah and it's it's really really funny um and they also they modded uh somebody modded grand theft auto 5 to be all iron man so you oh, can play as yeah. Iron Man. So it, look, it looks really cool. I saw a screenshot, but I didn't actually watch any video. Yeah, it looks really, really cool. Um, but that's going to do it. If you want to follow us um, personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle, Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorist. Stephanie is at hello cookie and Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. All right. Bob, I'm going to ask you, which means you're not going to have anything. Do you have anything? Sure. Okay. The polls haven't closed yet. Oh, yes. So, so vote early and often. <laughs> about whether Bob's a sellout if he uses someone else's money to go see the Fantastic Four. We right all it's... know that we want to hear Bob's reaction to yes. this movie. Vote that he goes because I want to hear it. <laughs> I want to hear it so bad. Well, th- it's just one of the things I'll use to make my decision. Yeah. 
but the more positive votes or negative votes, as the case may be. I would like, if you, do, if you are going to go see it, I would like to run an experiment. I want you, before you go see the movie, to write your review. And then see what well, it's I could like. write it right now. I know, yeah. but that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Write it, and then I want I want to see the difference between after you see it and before you saw it's it. Two words. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see. It. I think that'd be a really funny thing. Um, it doesn't have to be like eight thousand words. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's gonna do it for the Talking Comics podcast uh, for this week. For Bob, good night, and Steve. See you at the movies. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs>